This show is a proud member of the Nerdy Legion Podcast Network. Get more at nerdylegion.com. Enjoy the show. Spoiler alert. What Did You Watch This Week is a candid discussion about recent movies and TV shows, and it may contain spoilers if you haven't watched them yet. Listen at your own risk. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 6161 of What Did You Watch This Week? My name is Mike. My name is John. And we're going to talk about shows and stuff that we watched this week. And we're going to talk about trailers and stuff that we watched this week and news and stuff that we read this week. And uh, maybe even a movie or two. That we and movies and stuff. Perused. That we watched this week. Yeah. So... So, John. Yes, Michael. Did you watch yourself some Doctor Who? I did as – in fact, I did, yes. I, I watched some Doctor Who myself. And you're talking the most recent episode, not just random Who. Which no, no, I watched acceptable, some, but, you know. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I, I, I'm telling you, the entrance music kicks on. I get all jacked up and excited. My wife rolls her eyes. I'm like, you don't know what you're missing. <sighs> that's Doctor that's Who. terrible. I can't believe that. Hmm. So anyways, this week's episode, tremendously huge. Yeah. I mean, it confirmed who's in the box. Yes. Who's in the box? What's in the box? What's in the box? And it's Missy. For all you millennials out there, that was a reference to Seven, one of the greatest movies Brad Pitt's ever been in. Go watch it. And yeah, go, yeah. Go and after, you, after you've done that, watch like another great movie Brad Pitt was in called Snatch. Because it's actually a really good flick. <laughs> like, sincerely, it's pretty solid. I thought you were going to say Legends of the Fall. No. Although I do really enjoy the scene where he goes ape shit on the Nazis and starts scalping them like he's an Indian. And then he then he, he rides the horse back into town. He's got, like, the, the necklace of scalps, going, of, of, of scalps going on. And people look at him like, yeah, I know he's on our side, but I'm still afraid he needs to go home. <laughs> <laughs> ah, good times. Good times. Yeah. Do, do, do. So anyways. Yeah. Doctor Who. Doctor in the box, Who. we find out who's in the box. It's Messy. Yes. The master. And not just that. It's not just like, oh, we got a throwaway thing. They they give us flashbacks in this episode. They don't tell you that they're flashbacks, but you piece it together pretty quickly. Pretty quickly when it starts out with a long time ago at yeah. the bottom. Yeah. And uh, we basically find out that there's – it, it's not it, – it's a planet, right? Yes. It's some sort of execution planet. I mean, I, I'm – I'm not familiar with what their jobs are other than um, they, they kill people. They yeah. execute people, yeah. And because they're executing a Time Lord, they need a Time Lord who has to watch the Time Lord's body. They've got, like, rules and regulations that they can access from their wristwatches. And- yeah, so he's got this fancy – yeah, that looks up all the information that's needed. And which they've got a special <laughs> platform there. Yep. That says, he says it'll stop both hearts and all three brain stems, which I had never heard that. That was new to me. I, the two hearts thing, you're right. I'd heard. And when he said the all three brain stems, I was like, huh? Yeah. 
But, I mean, I guess to one heart, to the next heart, and then to uh, the spine? I don't know. But it definitely would uh, help to explain why the Doctor and other Time Lords are so smart, I guess, and how they can perceive so, space and time like that. So when they they execute her and she dies. <laughs> With air quotes. Yeah. Uh, and she, but, but it only lasts for a thousand years. Well, they said that they, that they will execute the prisoner and then the body has to be, oh, it drains all regenerations as well. And that the body okay. has to be locked inside one of their special quantum vaults and they have to be monitored for a thousand years to make sure nothing happened. He, it was like something ludicrous. He was just like, you know, oh, just in case something happens, you know, like yeah, death twitches or something like that. Okay. And so he's sworn this oath. Now, at what point did he swear this oath? Because we've never seen him watching this tomb, and now he is. Yeah, I... I, I don't know. I guess. I mean, like, they've always been really good when it comes to the timeline, when the doctor's yes. timeline at plugging things in and figuring things out and everything like that. But it seems like with this tomb, like with Nardo, it's like he has to stay there. He cannot do anything but. So it's not like he can sit there for a thousand years on Earth. It seems like because it might have happened think- like a year ago or something. If and then that, that it, right, it seemed like it probably happened right after uh, River Song died. Yeah, although for him to see Nardole show up in the robe and you know basically quote her and hand over her diary, you know, you're right. It would have had to have been shortly after she died, um, right? But enough time must have passed that it was a shock to him. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. They really they, they're a little little light and loose with the timeline from yeah. me on this, which is unusual for them, right? But anyhow, otherwise, I mean, the concept. I mean, okay, like for instance, when the the, the hooded guy shows up and and the person says, looks through his watch, and he's just like, oh, the executioner gets five minutes <laughs> to speak to like you know a, a religious person, you know, according uh, to our guidelines. Basically, they're saying that he's allowed five minutes to talk to the priest to absolve his soul of the fact that he's about to execute one of his own kind. Right, right. Uh, and that's when he runs into Nardo, of course. And just to stay with this timeline, uh, I absolutely love the part where they execute her. And then they go to pick her up, and she goes, like, ow, don't touch me. Okay. Yeah. I, you know what really worked out just then? When I said, ow, don't touch me, my cat just reached over and dug me in the back. Nice. <laughs> but anyway. It's meta. It's totally ah, meta. Come on, Vivian. You don't need my attention that bad. You have food and water. Anyways. Um, and she's like, you you didn't kill her. Well, of course I didn't kill her. She's my friend. I altered your machine here, but she's just going to be very tired. And... <laughs> And he's like, you'll, you'll never leave this place alive. Oh, really? I think you need to look up the doctor in there. Oh, we have you in here. No, no, no. Look up killed by. Oh. Yeah, cause of <laughs> oh, death. Cause of death, the doctor. And he goes, you have many. And it's, you have an extraordinary amount. You have like, I don't know. You have an exceptionally high number. Everyone runs away. Where are you going? He's unarmed. I always am. You're outnumbered. Usually am. All right, we'll see you later then. 
at first when he said cause of death, I thought that yeah. he meant, you know, what was his cause of death and they were just going to look at the different times that he regenerated, but that wouldn't right. scare them. It was what, you know, cause of How death as the doctor, you know. How many people has he killed? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're outnumbered. I always am. All right. I'll see you later. And he, everyone just runs away. <laughs> Good stuff. And the thing is, in this episode, that was only like a third of the story because the main story that was going on yeah. was the Pope showed up, the Pope and the Vatican Twelve or whatever. Yes, and the Doctor is blind still. Yes, he's got the sonic sunglasses that allow him to see, kind of Matrixy like. It's it's psychically linked to him, and this is the only time the sonic sunglasses to me are acceptable. Yes. Yes. And they basically show up and they say that there's a book called Veritas, which means the yep. truth for anybody who watched Smallville. Um, and that everybody who's read it has killed themselves. And yes. so they want him to help because they have, you know, this proclamation from what was it like Pope Benedict back in 1096 and yeah it turns out Pope Benedict was a female you know the doctor's like oh yeah she was a great woman you know tried to hide some stuff and uh, <laughs> basically saying if you ever get into the most desperate need that you have go to the doctor find him yep. so they do that and they come find him and the mystery unfolds more with Bill and Nardole than the doctor yes like, because he is blind yeah so and he doesn't want anyone to know he doesn't want Bill to know he rigs up a little device yeah. that can give him his sight back temporarily, but it's at a cost, and he doesn't know what the cost is yet. He says that it could fry yeah. his brain. It doesn't. He gets it back very temporarily, but yep. he basically says, you know, all of his future regenerations could be blind, or something more terrible could be coming down the road, or he might lose something else. So it was a big trade-off, but he needed to be able to read this. And then he didn't really because he ended up listening to it on audiobook. <laughs> Oh, I seem to have lost Mike. I was on mute. Ah. That's because these creatures showed up. Yes. And um, we never got a name of them, Mm-mm. but they were just some sort of alien race. Which that kind of mummified, didn't yeah, they? they? Yeah, they looked mummified, and when they spoke, they just opened their mouth, but they didn't move it. it yeah, and it was like a hissing, yeah. raspy, you know, like, we will kill... Yeah, and essentially what it is is when they went to the Vatican, they entered into this video game type world is how they described it. Yep. Essentially what it was is is that these aliens used uh, projections, these high-tech projections to make all these different worlds, the Pentagon, the White House, uh, this lab company CERN. called CERN. Um yeah, uh, the Vatican, everything. And they, the, the doctor and Nardo and Bill somehow entered it. Yep. And essentially this alien race was using these simulations to try to figure out how to destroy and defeat the earth. Yep. And I, apparently it was if they released the Veritas, that'll basically do it for them. Well, these people were reading the Veritas and one part of it said, um, <clears throat> see, I got the impression that the Veritas was written by somebody who had figured things out inside there. 
and that's why it was called. Oh, so okay, all right, that makes more sense. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. So basically, anybody who read it would read different parts of it that were talking about how the world was fake and the world that they were living in was fake. And if they could read this, then they needed to realize it. And it said, you know, pick any number, write it down, pick any other number and just keep doing that and write down any number in any order that you want, then turn the page. And the numbers were exactly what they had written down. Yeah. And they said, because you are a computer program, you are not real, you are fake. And that's why all these people killed themselves is because right. they were like, okay. I'm in a okay. simulation. All right, sorry, that makes more sense. Then. Yeah, um, but still, the doctor, even in the simulation with his sonic sunglasses, <laughs> was able to record everything, including his conversation with the aliens, which the aliens made the classic mistake of overextending their hand. Yes, because they thought that you know they were gloating. You caught me monologuing, you sly dog. Pretty much. And so the doctor recorded everything with his sonic sunglasses and was able to email himself. Yep. And then that's when we cut to – because at the very beginning, we actually get the flashback and then we get the doctor sitting in front of the the, the, the tomb or the vault or whatever you want to call it. And then all of a sudden he got an email called like uh, on his sunglasses. Yep. And then the rest of the episode is him watch it, reading the email, if you will, and then it's intercut with the flashbacks, and then the end comes right back to him down there. And this pretty much, I feel like, this sets up at least the next episode, if not the next couple of episodes. Oh, yeah. Because he yeah. even, like, the first thing that he did was call Bill, and he's like, yep. you know, are you on a date tonight? She's like, no. And he's like, what about this girl, Penny? Oh, she's out of my league. No, you need to call her because there might not be a tomorrow. So yep. you need to get your affairs in order, basically. And he even went to Missy's vault yes. and said, if you really are my friend, I need your help. Yeah. So that's how we're going to get the master back. Yeah. So the master's which, in the vault. Which, interesting, um, I don't know if you had seen this online or not, but uh, the actress, Michelle Gomez, who plays Missy, uh, recently did an interview and talked about how great it's been. But she said that as far as she can tell, like by her choice, uh, when Moffat's run ends, she will also be ending. So, ah. so Missy will be gone in that form. I don't know if they'll keep a female master or if they'll bring on a male master again. Well, um, luckily with that character, they can just regenerate her. Yep. But – It'll be nice, too, in that respect, because half the fun of Missy in the first season with Capaldi was not knowing who she was, you know, and just having her be a mystery character. So, you know, bringing the master in like that rather than just showing up in one episode. Like, I loved how they did it with Tennant and the old man at the end of the universe. Oh, yes. Yep. Um, with the drums that he would hear in his sleep. Uh, I, I love the different ways that they brought the master in like that. But with Missy, it was great because it was stretched out over the whole season and she was only appearing in like bits and pieces of episodes, like the very PSs or whatever. Yep. So they've got an opportunity to do something similar when they bring the master back in the next season. Yeah, I, I just love this show. Isn't it awesome? <laughs> I just love this show. It's so good. It's like, it really is the show I look forward to the most right now. Excellent. It's the show I look forward to the most watching, and it's good. I, I can I can concur with that. It's one of the shows that I won't like let it just sit there and fester on the DVR. I'm like, yes, right. I'm ready to watch this as soon as it comes out. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Did you watch Class afterwards? 
so I watched last week's class. I okay. did not watch this week's class yet, and I did, but I did watch last week's, and I, I will agree with you, or not agree. I, I will concur. I guess that it did seem to get better. That yep. episode was better. Uh, it still had some crappy parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was better. I'm, I'm not. I'll finish out the eight episodes because there's only eight episodes, and we're on episode. There's like three left. Yes. So I'm gonna finish it to finish it um, at this point, but I'm not I'm not blown away by any means. Well, let me tell you, this episode here, hold on to it for your DVR for now, okay? Because this is one of those episodes you don't see it very often in shows, but it's a really cool thing that happens. So in this episode, they're all in detention in the beginning, and they're trapped inside the detention room for the whole episode. I won't say how, but they're trapped in there. Okay. At the end of the episode, Miss Quill comes back to check on them because she's the one that put them in detention, and everything is different, and basically it's you got to see what was happening to them. While they were in there, Miss Quill was doing her own thing, apparently, and that's going to be the next episode. The next episode oh, will be... Oh, so wait and watch them back to back. Yes. I didn't realize that until I watched this, and I'm like, wait a minute. And then I saw the quick preview for the next one. I'm like, oh, okay. So do yourself a favor and save that one until the other one comes out. Okay. Well, I will do just that then. Excellent. Hmm. Yeah, I will do just that. Hey, have you noticed, skipping a little bit, there's a lot of movies now that come out digitally before they come out on DVD and Blu-ray? Oh, yes. Yeah, I mean, like, it seems it's, to be it's like def- the thing to do. It's definitely a thing now. Um, today, I was on a uh, – my wife and I were on a day trip. We went to New Hampshire. We were up in <laughs> – we were up in the North Lumberton or Colbrook. I think it was North Lumberton. Anyways, and we were just driving through this little main street, and uh, I saw a sign for a video store, and I got all excited, and then I turned, and it was closed, like out of business closed, uh, apparently for years because they had like a Cinderella 2 uh, animated movie poster in the window, <laughs> but it was like a little little snapshot of a time capsule. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, I just thought it was funny. Uh, like, how long has that building been sitting there vacant like that? I know, right? Just falling apart, apparently. Anyhow, because, like, there's a lot of movies right now, like The Founder, The Great Wall, even, even I think, Logan, that you could watch digitally through Amazon, but they yep. don't come out until the 23rd. Yeah, it seems a lot of times yeah. they'll say commercials for them, and they'll say, you know, own it on digital on April 5th and on Blu-ray two weeks later. John Wick comes out on May 23rd digitally and then on DVD sometime in June. Yep. John Wick 2, I mean, or John Wick Chapter 2, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's kind I, of the thing to do, and I think that that's gearing us I'm, towards the, the instant release out of theaters because there's really no reason that they can't do an instant release out of theaters. There's literally no reason. They could have it day and date release of stuff that's digitally put on the projector and then available on your DVR. So are you talking about like it's going to be released in the theaters and digitally to rent from home at the same time? That's the dream eventually, but I think what you'll see instead is you'll see a shorter window between theater and like I mean as it is, I mean 9 days from now Doctor Strange is going to be on Netflix. Holy shit, seriously? Yeah. yeah. Like 
you're going to see it get shorter and shorter. Like I remember back in my day when I was a kid, you know, a movie would be in theaters and it wouldn't come out on home video for like a year. Year oh, easily. The first one I remember coming out so fast was Jurassic Park. Yes. That was in theaters in June. And then by November, it was on home video because they wanted to hit that bubble beginning of December because they wanted to hit that Christmas rush. It was out for Black Friday. Yep. On home video. And I thought that was amazing because it was still in the theater in Brunswick. Yep. Like, I'm like, you could go buy this in the store and it's actually still in the movie theaters. But well, look at, look what Disney used to do. Oh yeah. I mean, that was like a year and a half before it came out of home video once after it was in the theaters. So or my, they do a second run in the theaters. I mean, like, it's crazy. I'm not Nostradamus or anything, but I remember working at the video store and seeing DVDs show up for the first time and yeah. saying these are going to replace VHS tapes. And a lot of people were like, no, no, I like my VHS tapes. And I was like, no, it's the new technology. This will replace it. Um, and then I remember hearing about Netflix and how you could mail order your DVDs. Yep. And I was like, dude, video stores are going away. And they did eventually. I, uh, born and died in our lifetime. Yep. But I think you're going to see a shorter window coming up here. You know, over the next couple of years, you're yep. going to see a shorter and shorter window between theater and digital release because they want to make money on it. So it doesn't make sense, like, to have a movie in the theaters and let it, you know, the first couple of weeks it does well. Even we'll pick Guardians, okay? You know, three weeks in and they could still pretty much half pack a theater, you know? Yeah. But – after another two weeks, it's going to be dead in the water. You know, you'll get like one or two people trickling in here and there. Right. And then what? You're supposed to forget about it for a couple of months and then, oh, yeah, now you can get it on digital. They want to make money while it's still in people's minds. So if they can say, hey, go to the theater now, kind of like they're doing with uh, digital versus Blu-ray. You know, they're like, you could watch it now or you can wait two weeks for DVD. Yep. So, you know, if they say, hey, Guardians will be in theaters May 5th and then you can buy it digitally June 5th. People are going to go, hmm, do I want to go to the theater or do I want to wait an extra month and just buy it digitally? See, that's the thing is like – I mean movie theaters as it is, I, I feel like some of them are struggling, especially the smaller independent ones because of just of the ticket price alone. Mm-hmm. And that's going to do nothing but hurt them if you can just you know get it digitally a month after it's supposed to come out. Yep. Because how many movies like – like of the movies coming out this year, I mean, there's a few that are like, I'm definitely going to the theater to see this. I'm going to make it a point to find the time to go. But then there's so many others that I'm like, yeah, I'll just wait for it to come out on home video or even show up on Netflix or something. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And if I know like, like, like say Guardians or even no, let's just say Wonder Woman. All right, <laughs> nah, it's not even a good one. But let's just say the Alien, the new Alien movie. How's right. that? I really, I really want to see that movie. But if I knew in like a month it was going to be coming out on home video, I'd be like, all right, I'm not going to worry about breaking my neck to get there. Exactly. If it happens, it happens. And that's going to do nothing but hurt movie theaters. Yep. Um, going back real quick, uh, Riverdale, the complete series, the complete first season was on Netflix two days after the season finale. Yep. As was, um, Frequency did the same thing. Yeah. Uh, if I'm yeah. not mistaken, Blacklist has a similar deal with Netflix, where as soon as the season is over, they're going to be on Netflix immediately. Yep, it does. It does. So interesting how that is, right? Yep. And Riverdale is just a short, short season. So I mean, like if you missed it at all or wanted to check it out now, it's you easily can. So, I mean, that's a great coup for Netflix. But pardon me, I don't know. 
It's kind of weird, sir. Sometimes it's kind of weird. It is. It's a weird world we live in. Yeah. So, anywho, uh, I want to talk about Law and Order SVU real quick. Okay. I don't normally talk about the show. I'm still watching, but the you topic talk about this, it every week. Well, I don't go into great detail. Okay. I just but want anyways, to correct you where correction was needed. Well, I feel like I just glaze over it. Anyways, gotcha. this week though, the 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 storyline was really. I'm not going to say controversial, if you will. I don't. Know. So I, I, basically, a girl gets raped. Surprise! Yep. I mean, it's SVU. Um, but it the 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 suspect and even the victim, but mostly the suspect, he hides behind his religious belief called curative intercourse, which makes makes it okay because you know she was tempted to become a lesbian and by you know having sex with her, it's called curative intercourse, prevents the you know the sin of becoming a lesbian from happening. Or at least convinces them, you know, that this is not the right thing, that this is what you need. It's called, you know. And uh, I was like, oh, my God, is that a real thing? Like, did they make this up? So, and I did tr- – go ahead. I was going to say, so basically their thought process is you cure homosexuality with a good, strong dickin? Basically, yeah. Okay. Just wanted to make yeah, sure like we're on if, the same page like here. If, like if you're a guy, you have to have sex with a girl. If you're a girl, then a guy's going to rape you, I guess. Uh, and it's, it's okay. It's part, it's, it's, you know, it's God's work. It's God's will. God's okay with that because it's called curative intercourse. And I was just blown away with this. Uh, it was, first of all, it was a good episode. Um, it was actually a really good episode. And then I had to look it up to see if this was a thing, if this was real. And anything I try to look up, all I get, keep coming back to is that episode of Law and Order SVU. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure they made it up. But, I mean, this show has been known to take actual things or headlines and kind of tweak them a little bit. Rip to, you know, straight to, from the headlines. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's why there's a disclaimer at the beginning of the episode that either is like this is a work of fiction or, um, you know, like the things have been changed to protect the innocent type gimmick. But, uh, yeah, I was just like, if this is like, I'm, but the thing is, this is how sad it is. I totally believe that this could be a real thing. Because of the society we live in today and how things are, I totally believe that that could be a real thing, that there's some religious zealot people that believe that this is, you know, this is what needs to happen. And, uh, yeah, yeah I just kind of kind of blew me away a little bit. I'd believe it as well. <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't hesitate. I was like, oh, my God, I got to look this up. Like, <laughs> <laughs> because this unfortunately seems like it could be a thing. Yeah. I could see that easily. Yeah. And not just so, because uh, I've been watching The Handmaid's Tale. My wife is, uh, I think she's on episode six now or five or she's caught, she's up to date. Let me just put it that way. Okay. And I was going to start watching it, but she was like, no, 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 you really should read the book first. Uh, you should read it again first, I guess. Uh, it's been a long time since I've read it. And, uh, I, I don't know. I haven't decided what I'm going to do. I have not read the book, but I am enjoying yeah. the show. Yeah, I've heard it's pretty damn good and screwed up. It, it's very screwed up. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I have not watched any more American Gods. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm planning on it. I just have been kind of kind of busy lately. This episode was really good. Um, it 
didn't really explain more, but it definitely, like, it had a really awesome scene. I got to tell you about one of these scenes in the beginning because yeah, go ahead. it just it blew my mind how like spiritual and good it was. So basically, there's this old woman. You know, we open on this older woman. She's 68 years old because she tells us later, and she's in her apartment and she's standing on a rickety stool trying to reach a jar that's up on a top shelf. You know, and they keep showing the stool and how it's rocking and and tipping, and her cat's watching her. She's got a hairless cat and it's watching her. And you know, you're like, all right, here it comes, here it comes. She's going down, and then she grabs the jar and steps down, and she's fine. So she goes over and she adds it to the pot on the stove and tastes it, and she's like, mm, needs more cinnamon. So she goes to step back on the stool and you're like, all right, here it comes, here it comes, she's going down. And then there's a pounding on her door. Boom, boom, boom. So she goes over and she opens up the door and there's a very nice looking black man. He's kind of rugged, shaved head, uh, cause you know, they all seem to have that, um, in movies and TV at least. And, uh, he's dressed all in black and she just, she takes one look at him and she's like, nope, sorry, you've got the wrong floor. The black families are upstairs. And that made me chuckle a little bit because, you know, old person racism. And he's just like, no, I'm here for you. And he like steps in through the doorway and she's like, she's very nonchalant about it. But she's like, look, if you want to rob me, you know, I might have a little bit of money, but not much. I don't really have any electronics. I think I've got a phone. My grandson might have left a camera here. And he's like, I'm not here to rob you. I'm here to take you with me. And she's like, what? And he goes, you're dead. And she's like, what are you talking about? I'm fine. And he walks her over and you see that she did actually fall off the stool and break her neck. And she's laying there down on the floor. And she's not like freaking out about it. She's just like, wow, look at that. And he's like, don't worry. Your family will come up soon. They will find you. They will do right by you and bury you properly with the proper, you know, services. They will mourn you for a while and then they will feel much better afterwards and they will take joy in the life that you gave them. And she's like, okay, that's good. And she's like, but hold on a second. She's like, they're not going to ever taste this sauce. I need you to taste it and tell me what it's like. And he's like, okay. So she gives him a taste of the sauce and he's like, it's perfect. She says, but I just have to ask a question. I'm Catholic now. Why is Anubis standing here in my kitchen? And he smiles a little bit and he's like, when you were younger, the woman in red taught you all about the Egyptian way of life and the gods and the rituals and such. And that must have stuck with you. And she's like, yeah, it really did. And he's like, well, that's why I'm here. You're coming with me. She's like, okay. So then they go out on the fire escape and they're walking up the fire escape and you see them go up a couple of floors. And then like, it's suddenly the same fire escape stairs, but they go up into the sky. Like you, they pan back and it's just this massive fire escape stairway and then they walk up that for a little while and then it turns into this rock wall and it's stone steps and they're walking up those they get all the way to the top and they're standing on a mesa looking over the earth you know there's like stars behind them and everything and she's like this isn't queens and he's like no it's not queens and there's a little golden scale there and he reaches into his jacket and he pulls out a white feather and he sets it down on one side of the scale and then he just punches her right in the chest and pulls her heart out and it's still beating and she's like hey I was using that. And he's like, you won't need it anymore. Don't worry. And he drops it on the other side of the scale because that's a thing from Egyptian lore. And she starts talking to him and she's like, you know, I wasn't very nice to the first boy who loved me. And one time I wanted a hat. And so I took it. She goes, but I tried to do my best. That That's all I could do is I tried to do my best. And you watch them balance out and the heart and the feather both equal the same weight. And he just looks at her and he goes, your best was very good. 
And he takes her over, and there's five doors standing there, and he's like, you know, pick your door. Your paradise lies beyond all five different versions. And she's like, just tell me where my father is, because he used to beat me, and he wasn't a nice person, and I really would not like to spend the rest of eternity in his reality. And he's just like, he smiles at her, and he's like, just choose. And she's like, uh, oh, and her cats followed her the whole way up here. And he's just sitting there with her. And he's like, just choose. And she like looks at all five doors. She's like, you seem like a nice boy. Why don't you choose for me? And he smiles and he nods and he waves his hand and the middle door opens and she walks in and she's like, what if I, what if I don't want to go in? And the cat kind of like nudges her and they just, they both end up in there and the door closes. And then the guy walks off with a cat behind him because, you know, it's Egypt and that's what happens. And it was just really awesome. The whole way that it played out, like you don't see a lot of death scenes in shows that go that into detail. You've seen Reapers and you've seen stuff like that, but this was just a really cool, especially in a show like this, that's so overly confusing for them to come right out and be like, hi, this is Anubis and he's an Egyptian God. And, you know, showing the rituals of weighing the person's heart versus the feather to see if they were a good person and such. I really appreciate it. I liked it a lot. Oh, that seems like a really cool opening. I like that. The rest of the episode was very good. Uh, I won't get into too many details because I know you're going to watch it, but um, I did like it. It's starting to get a little bit better. Martin had messaged us last week and said that he's reading the book and that he's worried that with the show, it is going to be a while before we get any solid answers about who the gods are, etc. Because the book seems to be taking a long and drawn out time as well. So there, again, there was not a lot given in this episode, but there was some good stuff. I really liked it. Cool. Nice. Nice. Uh, Fargo. I'll talk about Fargo real quick. Yeah, let me know how that's going. So, all right, uh, last week's episode, because I don't remember talking about last week's. I don't think I had watched it. You hadn't watched it. Okay, I didn't think so. Glad glad one of us remembers. (laughs) So each episode has been kind of, okay, well, the second episode featured this animated cartoon gimmick from a book that the girl was reading that her stepfather had written, the the murdered one. And so that was kind of unique and different. Last week's episode, the whole thing was kind of done coinciding coinciding with Peter and the Wolf, like with the music and everything. Okay. And um, it was really unique. It was really cool. And they got Billy Bob Thornton to narrate it. So kind of, <laughs> nice. So there's kind of like your t- – at first I like when – I, when he first started talking, I'm like, it sounds like Billy Bob Thornton. And then it didn't. And then – Finally started talking. I'm like, okay, that is definitely Billy Bob Thornton, you know. Um, so that that was kind of neat how they did that, how they tied in the characters to kind of go with the play, and essentially like the he at the beginning he says like like the bird is represented by the flute, but when he says that they show one of the characters. So then when you see that character in the show, like they're playing a flute in the background. I mean, it's kind of was kind of oh, okay. neat how they did that. Um, so in this week's episode, there wasn't any special gimmick like that after two weeks in a row of having like a little a little thing to go along with them. This was more of like a meat and potatoes episode. We learned more about the bad guy who's forcing uh, Emmett's uh, Stussy, 
which is one of the twin brothers. Uh, we, the, the bad guy that's that's forcing him into his business. We learn more about his background, and then uh, Emmett's twin brother Raymond and his girlfriend. Uh, they decide that they're going to make a sex tape together and then try to blackmail him with it because he put on a wig and shaved his mustache to make him look like his brother. And wow. <laughs> Seriously? Uh, oh, yeah. 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 It's some good stuff. Um, anyhow, uh, and of course, they, they drop it off at his house and they put like, you know, for Emmett's eyes only, but his wife just opens it up and puts it in and watches it. And so now there's this scene where Emmett comes home, and his wife and his mother-in-law, who's wheelchair-bound, and his kids are loading up in the van. And he's trying to stop them, but they're not listening. But there's this really awkward scene because the wheelchair lift to lift the mother-in-law up into the van is going so slow that As the whole time he's to do. <laughs> yeah, and. and <laughs> So like he's trying to talk to them to stop them, and the whole time you see and it's like he's helpless to stop them because they're going away so quickly. But he has really a good five minutes to speak his case. I mean, it was just ridiculously funny to me. Um, anyhow, um, uh, at the end of the episode, basically, th- there's Emmett. And his business partner are stuck with these other guys that are kind of forcing their way almost like a hostile takeover into the business. And they use rough tactics and murder to get what they want. And on the other side, you have Emmett's brother Raymond and his girlfriend. Now, Raymond used to be a probation officer. This is one of his parolees. And Emmett's business partner sent pictures to the parole board or to this guy's boss showing that he was dating one of his parolees. So he ended up losing his job. And so because he lost, because of that, then they make the sex tape to try and blackmail his brother so they can get money. And uh, his girlfriend meets up with the business partner to discuss this. And the, uh, the, the bad guys trying to hustle, take over, show up, and just beat the crap out of her. And that's pretty much where it ends, where she's driven herself home and, and Raymond finds her in the tub. And Emmett's all mad at his brother because his wife has left him and the business partner is now scared to death and then you have these bad guys that are just bad guys and um, I don't know that probably wasn't very descriptive but it's a good episode and I'm, I'm enjoying the season it's it's moving along quite nicely and picking up the pace a little bit so good yeah 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 so we only got like this this week upcoming, it's it's now Sunday, May the twenty first. So like this week, we're going into this is the DC on the CW finale week, isn't it? I believe it is for all uh, for all three shows. Yep, all three remaining shows. All three remaining shows. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, what did you think of Supergirl? Um, I'm not gonna lie, I. I really enjoyed some of the inspirational stuff that Kat said, as I usually tend to. Yeah, I enjoyed seeing her on this episode. It was nice they brought her back. Um, it definitely felt like an episode where they were like, let's cram as much stuff in as we can. Yep. You know, here's the president, and the last time we saw the president, we saw that she was an alien as she walked off screen, but nobody else did. So now yep. she had to reveal to everybody that she's an alien. Yep. Um. Uh, overall, I thought it was a pretty good episode. 
it, it was better than last week's episode. I think in this episode, Kara was really, or Kara was really showing that her, that she, as Supergirl, uh, is compassionate just like Clark is as Superman, where he, she, even though she doesn't deserve it, she's giving the Queen of Daxum all the opportunities in the world to do the right thing. Right. And, and, you know, also putting the lives of two over the lives of everybody because yep. she's like, well, we have to try to save them. You know, we have to try to do everything we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was nice. It was. It definitely spoke more to the uh, super character, you know, whether it's Supergirl yeah. or Superman. Correct, because the last few episodes, they've really kind of depicted her as being narrow-minded. Yeah, almost selfish in some ways. Yeah, yeah, and I haven't haven't enjoyed that because that's not who, like, you know, Superman is. Right. And that's not who Supergirl should be. The whole wedding of um, Mon-El to Lena Luthor was a little bit ridiculous. Yeah, that that was that 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 really was. It was never finalized, at least. No, and, and they kept yeah. them off screen most of the episode. You know, probably like we've got the budget for Callista Flockhart, so you two are going to have to disappear. Same thing with like uh, John Jones was, you know, mysteriously knocked out, and so he's recovering so that we can have the actor playing Cyborg Superman instead for this episode. Exactly, yeah. And, and then everything about Cyborg Superman is ridiculous to me. Like, oh, my CPU has been upgraded so I can access the uh, the Daxamite ship. How would you have known to do that? How would you have done that in the first place? It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah that, that kind of was ridiculous. Um, so Superman, he's being controlled, do you think? Or... I groaned right out loud when I saw that because it reminded me of the first season when they had that mind control and Superman was affected because it must be that his brain waves are different because he spent so much time on Earth growing up. Oh, yep, yep. Back when he was an off-screen character. And now we were promised that we were going to get Superman this season. We got him for like two episodes at the beginning, and now we're getting him as a tool of the Daxamites somehow. Right, because if they can control Superman, then how come they couldn't have just just done the same with Kara? (laughs) That was literally the next thing that I was thinking. And then made her fly off into the sun or something. Yeah. You know, like... Well, that would have just powered her up. Well, but you know what I mean. Just just fly off into space. So it'll be interesting to see how they pull that one out of their ass. But ultimately, I thought it was a good, solid episode and a good, solid setup for the next one. It proved once again that Kat needs to be on that show because she's just one of the best characters. She really delivered in this in this episode. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Even in the scene where they're in the alley and she's basically sitting on the trash can, like giving Supergirl a pep talk. Yes. And then Supergirl flies off and Callista Flockhart's just like, that is still so cool. I, I like the part where she goes, thank you, James. And he's like, what? I'm guarding your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I I can see your eyes, honey. Okay. Yeah. Now, here's an interesting thing. So we've been talking, you and I have been talking this whole season about how we're really appreciating um, the relationship between Kara and Lena Luthor. And the fact that Lena is not evil, that they've actually formed a strong friendship, that the show seems to be bucking the normal system. Yeah. Now, Now, in this episode, Lena's mom tells Kara, Kara's like, you know, you've known my identity, so why haven't you told Lena? And she's like, oh, I want you. You know, Lena's going to figure it out eventually. And when she realizes you've been lying to her, it will destroy her and push her away from you. Ha, ha, ha. I don't 
think that's true, and I don't want it to be true because the writers have been doing such a good job with their relationship so far. Yeah, I, I agree with you because oh, – I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say I think that that would be a dick move if they did it. Yeah, I agree with you because my thought process is, is that Lena would understand why she kept her identity a secret. Yeah. Yeah, she wouldn't be like, you've been lying to me all along. She'd be like, yeah, this makes sense, you know? Yeah, exactly. You didn't know if you yes. could trust me. I'm a Luther. My brother and my mother have both been trying to kill you, so, you right. know. Absolutely. But yeah, I trust hope they you don't, with your secret, so thanks. I hope they go down that path. They have teased that path with Lena being evil, but they've managed to but, – but they've, you know, every time it's kind of like, you know, a pump fake or a – you know what I made you look type moment where, mm-hmm. it, as it turns out, she really isn't evil at all. Right. Uh, she just wants to do the right thing. And I, I hope they maintain that. I really sincerely do. I do, too. My fingers are crossed that we don't get a Lena Luther as the villain of season three. Exactly. So, uh, Flash. Yep. So, um... Flash is in the trouble he's in because of his time traveling. Mm-hmm. So he travels to 1892 to get to get <laughs> Captain Cold to help him. Yeah, pulling him out of the timeline that he's in the middle of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good job, writers. Yeah, Good job. Yeah, I slap my forehead at that. Point. <sighs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah, if there's ever a time to say I caramba, it was just then. Yeah. I mean, sincerely. Uh, and then, you know, obviously we've discovered that Savitar Barry, or Barry Tar, or Savary, whatever you want to call him, uh, anything that Barry does, Savitar Barry instantly gets the memory of it. So yep. Barry just needs to stop doing anything. <laughs> Pretty much. He, he really needs just to stop doing anything. And I don't know why he hasn't figured that part out yet. Um, well, I guess he did because, you know, he told Iris and Joe and Kid Flash to go away without letting him know. They went to Earth 2. That was kind of cool. But then they told we, people. They, they were like, we won't tell Barry, but we'll tell HR. Right. And then Sava Barry shows up and he's like, where's Iris? And HR's like, oh, like, isn't that what they weren't supposed to do was yeah. tell Barry where Iris is? And he just exactly. instantly blabs it out. I mean. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. part was a little ridiculous. That was extremely ridiculous. Yeah, because he's immediately and then, like, oh, whoa, oh, sorry, uh, guess I wasn't yeah. supposed to tell that. Yeah, you yeah. think? So Barry goes and gets Captain Cold because only he needs a master criminal like Snark to help him break into Argus to get this tech, which is the only thing that can power this gimmick, which can stop Savitar. Because Lila says, uh, no, I'm not going to give it Lila says, yeah, I won't give it to you, Barry, because I can't trust you because... I don't know. Because Frank, nobody I, should trust you. I don't remember what her reasoning is. But then she watches on the video and sees that he she he wouldn't abandon Snart to save himself, even though Snart pretty much gives him the okay to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, because he's a he's good Snart. Uh, and once she sees that, she go ahead and willingly hands over the alien technology to him. Right. Yeah. You were willing to save a yeah. career criminal. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so clearly you can be trusted with this. Yeah. 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 We're both like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was just, it was, I mean, I realized it was just a way to get Captain Cold on the episode. Mm-hmm. Whatever. 
Yeah. And then so, so we got uh, to see some interesting things with like, you know, Captain Cold seems to know all about Shark Week so that he could tell us about King Shark and his weaknesses to cold and so that was convenient. Good thing Barry brought the cold guy. Yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> a little too convenient. Yeah. I I did enjoy uh, for my part, I guess. Not enjoy, but I, I did like how we finally got the payoff with the Cisco's fl- uh, premonitions or flashes he kept seeing of him fighting Caitlyn. Yeah. I figured that'd be a final episode thing, but it's, it was there that, that started in this episode. Yep. And do you think Iris is actually dead? No. No, I don't think that they're going to let her be dead. Because, you know, that would be terrible, and it would create emo berry, which we all don't want. Um, but yeah, basically, I think that they're going to, they're going to go back in time. Cause did you notice this in the episode? Multiple times during the episode, when we saw different people, especially like in the beginning of it, they would show you a clock. Because they wanted you to notice what time it was, you know, and they mentioned how much time we had until Iris's death. I saw that, yeah. So I think that they were showing us all this stuff because Barry's going to go back in time and try to reset the day and go from there. But wouldn't Sava Barry know it? And have the memory of it? Oh, yeah, because that's how he beat the Speed Force Bazooka. You know, even though the Speed Force Bazooka, like, beat him in the future. Right. But, you know, when Barry would have had the memory of building it and getting it ready and saying, here we go. Yeah. Um, you know, so in the future, he doesn't get all of Barry's memories automatically. But this time he did because he had the Alchemist Stone, which or the Philosopher's Stone, which is crystallized yeah. Speed Force. Because, you know, basically the writers of this show have reached a point where they're like, if we can't explain it, let's just say it's the Speed Force somehow. So I think these writers, let's just get out of the season so we can get on to next season. Yeah, next season (laughs) when we don't have to have a speedster enemy. Right. And and that's the thing is, have you noticed that Barry is not very fast, especially in this second half of the season? Like, Caitlin is throwing out icicles and stuff like that, and Barry's just like, ah, I, I'll i dive in front of you and block it with my body. Why wouldn't he be able to, like, zip over, grab the person, move them out of the way, uh, grab Caitlin, put her in the way of her own icicle blast? There's a million different things that he could be doing, but he's not. He's not acting like the fastest man alive. That's a very valid point. You know, it's like, again, the writers, we're going to blame them. It's like they forgot that they have a hero that's a speedster. Yeah. No, that's a very valid point, sir. I mean, we've seen him outrun a bullet, basically. So, like, he can't outrun a a blast. Yeah. An ice blast. Yeah, but, like, two or three different times, he's thrown himself in front of somebody else slowly, just, like, run over and thrown himself in front of them, when he could be moving them out of the way easily. He's done it before. I'm not going to argue with you on that one. That's a valid point. God damn these guys. That's a very valid point. <laughs> Bastards. Um, I'm trying to think. Down inside Argus, there were pens. They had Grodd. Um, yeah. They had, they had somebody that I was like, oh, wait. Oh, Cheetah. Yeah. They had Cheetah there. And I'm like, oh, we haven't seen Cheetah yet. Yeah. And then, oh, this must be where Amanda Waller kept the Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yeah. Little tip so. of the hat there. 
Yeah. But anywho, yep. um, Arrow. So, I'm just going to say this. For the first time all season on Arrow, I went, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think you know what I'm talking about. I certainly do believe that I know what you're talking about. Do you think it was the last five seconds of the episode? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, you know, we had seen the, the lead up to that, the preview of that uh, last episode when he washed up on the island and he saw the mask and he was like, oh, that's an old friend. And I was like, please let it be. Please let it be. Because he's, you know, we kind of forgot about him. He was left. Oh, yeah. Gone. Yeah. We did. You know, it's funny. Um, I was watching, uh, Rude was watching, we were at work together and Rude was watching Arrow, apparently. And he's sitting on the other side of the room and he, he just, he lets out a, yeah. I'm like, why? He's like, he goes, I'm watching Arrow. I went, oh, bullshit. You're watching Arrow. No one reacts that way watching Arrow. Nobody cheers at Arrow. Yeah. He's like, no, dude, wait till you watch it. Just wait till, what are you going to watch? I'm like, I'm going to watch it tomorrow probably. Oh, I'll just wait till you watch it. So the next night, I'm sitting there and, and, you know, it's quieted down or whatever. And I'm, I'm watching Arrow finally on my CW app on my tablet. And it gets over and I go, oh, yeah. yeah. And he goes, Arrow, Arrow. I'm like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I told you, right? I'm like, well, it's like the last five seconds is great. Otherwise, I'm, I'm all set with the episode. Yeah. It was, it was a mediocre episode. It was not terrible, which no, by Arrow standards the- is f- fantastic. It was definitely one of the better episodes of the season. Yeah. Still not great. Uh, but I like him assembling his own, not Suicide Squad, but basically his own uh, dark team. Yes. You know, you got Malcolm Merlin. You've got uh, Nissa Al Ghul, who, yep. who it was nice to see that, you know, they really played up the whole Nissa and Malcolm hate each other still. Um, and then to walk down there on Lian Yu and go into the cave, the bunker, which, again, this guy's been left there forever. He's oh, yeah. not being taken care of. He's, he's unkempt. And uh, just like Slade. Come on out. Slade. Yeah. MF and Wilson. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that. Like, I'm, I'm glad to see him back. Uh, and that they got the actor back, you know? He's going to have some anger issues, I bet. I can imagine, yes. <laughs> yes, he is. I don't know what Oliver is going to say to him to convince him to help him. You know, it, it's not like he cares two shits. Like with Nissa, it's your sister's running amok. With Malcolm, yeah. it's your daughter's in trouble. With Slade, what's he going to say? Um, do you want to build a snowman? I, I don't know. Like, do you yeah. want to go kill some people for me? Because there's a yeah. bunch of League of Assassin guys and this guy who really hates me. I, I know I'm the one that imprisoned you here and foiled all your plans, but hey, come hang out with me. You know, when, when, when he gave himself up at the beginning or whatever, like when, when, when Arrow, sorry, when Oliver was like, your father never liked you. He wanted to disown you. And he's like, oh shit. Well, I give up then. I'm like, oh, this is stupid. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I'm going to get a lot of grief for this, but I'm just going to say it. <sighs> Oliver's son needs to be taken out of the picture. Yep. Yeah, I agree. 
He's literally, he does nothing for the story. Um, he only exists as a plot point to force Oliver into certain situations. Yeah, he becomes bait, basically. And Oliver's like, oh, that's my son. I only care about him when he's in trouble. Otherwise, I never mention him or talk or think about him. Yeah. And he's, he's a non-factor until someone needs to hold something against me. And then they find out I have him, even though not everyone knows I do. Because yep. he's my son. Yeah. Yeah, you're not a father. You have that nothing to do with his know. life. You're basically yeah, a sperm donor. Pretty much. And yeah. another part of this episode that really bugged me, and it was continuity-wise, yep. was this guy, Adrian Chase, is being transported to, like, Wisconsin or whatever. It was like something's to Missouri. Right. Um, by helicopter. And he's being led out by, like, eight guys surrounding him, and they all have automatic rifles. And one of them literally says to Oliver, don't worry, we've been given specific orders that if it looks like there's a breakout or anything funny, we are to shoot him to kill. So they say, we will kill him if it looks funny in the least. And then shit starts exploding and people are showing up to try to break him out and they all duck and run. And no one tries to kill him. Right. Except for the snipers in the tower who are apparently yeah. terrible at their job because they never Very hit Very bad shots. And... and Oliver actually says, you know, oh, they're trying to kill him. No. One of the guys surrounding him should have popped up his gun and been like, bam, 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 following orders, you're dead. They they should have been chomping at the bit for this. Like, yes, we can't wait. We want this guy dead. He's killed cops. He's killed so many of our friends. It was very disappointing to see that they just duck and covered. Somehow it's not. No, no. <laughs> oh, and uh, we seem to be back in the realm of Oliver and Felicity flirting. No, I will not he- call them Elicity. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so tired of people doing this whole shit yeah. thing where they merge their names together. Yeah, no, I, I did. I did pick up on that as well. How they seem to be uh, fancy with each uh, doting on each other again. So. Yeah, even Thea's like, you know, oh, maybe you guys need some time alone. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I will say uh, all three shows. I am looking forward to watching their season finales this week and seeing how they wrap things up. Yeah, I want to know if Black Siren is really going to stay evil, or if the love of her father on this earth is going to bring her around so that she rejoins Team Arrow. I don't know. Yep. Yeah, that would be a way to do. I mean, yeah, It'd be a way to keep her Kitty Cassidy on the show. I guess. Well, they said that she's going to be a regular next season as Black so. Siren. So, whether it's as a foil or as an ally, remains to be seen. We will see. I guess. Yep. We shall see. So Gotham. Yep. That's well, a show that's on TV. Yeah. Is that all we need to say? I'm trying hard to think of anything memorable from this episode that really, like, made me want to... Well, okay. Maybe seeing Penguin locked up with Nygma by the Court of Owls in giant bird cages because, you know, they got to have a flair for the dynamic, I guess. Right, right, right. Um, I'm I'm kind of upset that Talon was killed. Yep. Yeah, I actually really enjoyed uh, that uh, assassin-type character, and he was set on fire and burned to death. He was. But you'll notice there was another one waiting in the wings, so to speak. Ha, ha, ha. Um, Shortly thereafter, who kind of swooped in, ha, 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 and uh, took over. (laughs) 
I guess the bird puns are just flowing tonight. <laughs> but yeah, he was really awesome. Yeah. But I don't know. I'm not overly excited about this, about this episode this week. Uh, all the crap with Lee. Uh, and her and, and Gordon come into a head oh as far God, as I'm like so sick of her. Yeah, yeah, she's gonna leave the show. Great, see you later then. Yeah, you should have done yeah. it a while ago. Back when yeah, we liked exactly. It. Yeah, you know, and, and the thing is, is you know, Lee, she's supposed to be a smart doctor. I mean, she saw what happened to the captain when the captain was exposed to the to the blood. Yep. Uh, you know, Gordon has stated that you know. Mario, right? Yeah. Yep. Was exposed to the blood and was going to harm you. Yep. And, but she just adamantly refuses to believe that that could ever happen, that Gorn only killed him because he's in love with her. Yeah. Yeah. She's a little batshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bat yeah. yeah. All, all his exes are Barbara, <laughs> now Lee. Yep. I'm still trying to figure out how he names his daughter after his. I don't think he's going to have a daughter in this universe. I think it's too far gone. Probably. But anyhow. Uh, what, um, about, what about Ivy, like, controlling the nurses and filling Selena's room with, like, 10,000 plants so it looked like a jungle in there until she finally came out of her coma up. from it? Yeah. And then immediately was trying to get up and move around to go warn Alfred that Bruce is twos. Oh, no, no, no. Not to warn him. I've got to go kill someone. Bruce oh, that's Wayne. right. I've got to go kill someone, Bruce Wayne. Yeah. It was too Swain, but yeah, yeah, that's right. I've got to go kill him. <laughs> Regardless. And apparently Bruce's training is already done because they're ready to bring him back to the city. But somehow Bruce's training is being done by the Court of Owls to prepare him for what? I don't know. Because the city needs a guardian, but is that really their purpose for him? Is is it really the job of a 15-year-old? Yeah, exactly. 16. He's 16 now. On the show, he's 16? Yep. Okay. Yeah. He's probably got little, you know, little acne and stuff that we can't see. Oh, he's growing hair patches places, you know, for the first time, I guess. The underarms and such. Right. That's what I was going with. Yeah. Anyhow, moving on. Yeah, let's move on. Uh, so, S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. Season finale. I watched yep. both parts. Yep. All did I'm you agree say that you didn't is, really need to? Yeah, I didn't. I could have watched one and then watched the other. Yeah, they didn't really need to be watched uh, back to back, side by each, whatever you want to say. Um, but yeah, you know, it was kind of interesting watching Ada or Ophelia or whatever you want to call her experience emotions for the first time. That was kind of interesting. Yes. I thought that they did a real, like the actress did a really good job portraying like, you know, oh my God, this is what, you know, this is what jealousy feels like or anger or love yeah. or pain or sorrow or, or like feeling good because you did the right thing. But then, <laughs> you know, yeah, it was just, it was kind of interesting to see her being how a real good boy. Of a, yeah, basically, but how good of a job the actress did and showing that she was experiencing and trying to understand certain emotions for the first time. Yeah, I agree. I flipping love Ghost Rider. Yeah. Oh, my I, goodness. I agree 100%. And he was even uh, cooler in this episode. Dude, when – okay. 
when he does the big jump spin and then twirls the chain and it's on fire. <laughs> and, oh, oh, even better, before that, when he's standing there and Ada blasts him with whatever the hell she's blasting him with and he just turns into Ghost Rider and she goes, what? <laughs> yeah. Dude. I was like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I marked out big time for that. I, I like the fact that he's a hero beyond heroes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, they, they got to do, like, I've heard rumors of a possible Netflix series of Ghost Rider. I, I, I don't care. They need to do something with him because he like is too, awesome. The way that they allow the spirit of vengeance to move from body to body as he sees fit. Yes, he inhabited Coulson yeah, to which take was down Ada. Right, watching her punch him, and he's just like, Goosh. and then he yep. turns back, and his face is all flaming, and he's like, "Not cool." Oh yeah, oh, great. <laughs> There was, yeah. there was a nice little nod in the beginning of the second episode where, uh, you know, Ghost Rider first shows up and Daisy's like, oh, last time I saw you, you fell into that Hellmouth. And Hellmouth was what Joss Whedon used for the portals in Buffy the Vampire Slayer that led to the underworld. That's pretty awesome, yeah. Yeah. Nice little nod there. Absolutely. Um, I loved the, cause, okay, essentially, you know, uh, in the second to last episode, Yo-Yo puts herself in the framework to get Mac, and then, uh, Ada's shutting down the frameworks, so everyone's kinda, everything's kinda blipping out, and Daisy Which is, is scary. Doing, yeah, yeah. Daisy's doing the best she can to keep, you know, Mac and Yo-Yo, and even the doctor apparently, um, from blipping out. Um, the scene where Mac is hugging his daughter and she's saying that she doesn't want to die and that she's real and everything and he's just crying and he's like squeezing her tight and then the camera pans back and his arms are empty. Oh my God, that was emotionally oh, amazing. Yeah. Oh yeah. That was powerfully strong and emotionally amazing. I mean, it was, it was cool. I mean, I, like, I know we've been holy saying it shit. a lot this season and, and last season as well, but how freaking great is this show? You know, it, it really is. For a it's show a, that was on like a bad leg in the first yeah. season and people yep. weren't sure it was going to make it. How friggin' great is this show? This, this is another one season. that I look forward to every week. Yeah, same here. This season, it really rebounded. It really performed strong. And I don't know if it's because we got those three stories that are kind of stories upon themselves that all kind of now surmised at the end with this last episode. But, you know, those three different, those three different sections of stories we got, I mean, you know, Ghost Rider, the LMD, and then the Hydra or the framework, whatever you want to call the last season, the last section of it. Brilliantly done, really. Really. It really was. You know, they and could each I, be their own individual thing, but still completely tied into each other. And I would love to see them do that next season. I would as well. I absolutely would love to see them do that next season. But, yeah, I mean, this has been just a great season of television. Yep. Um, the Ghost Rider has been my favorite part of all of them. <laughs> I mean, sincerely, like... now. Here's something interesting. Did you notice, okay, at the end, they were like, oh, how are we going to summon up a portal for you? And he's like, oh, no, I learned a new trick. Did you notice that he was he twirling twirled his in a circle just like Doctor Strange? Yes. And then yep. it was like a nondescript mountainous area that he was going yep. to. Yep. Darkhold, they made mention that it comes from the Dark Realm. So was he taking it to be held by Doctor Strange? Possibly. 
but it, yeah, it would be I a good totally place to hold a magical book. <laughs> yep. I totally picked up on that. I yep. thought that was awesome. Now, at the very end, we got a brief, uh, a brief little thing there. Basically, yeah, they're all in the diner, and then the diner kind of gets hit and raided, if you will. And he thinks it's the not Shield because they are Shield. He thinks it's the, the U.S. government. The government coming to arrest them all. Yes, yeah. But instead, you know, we it like blacks out on them. Be it almost looks like the Last Supper, doesn't it? Like when they pan it back, really does when they line up, when they line everybody up, and Coulson's in the middle like that. Yes. So then. Coulson wakes up on a spaceship, essentially. Yep. And sees a little news blurb. I can't remember what the news blurb was, honestly. Can I? Um, but he turns it off and goes, all right, Phil, time to get back to work. And he opens the door oh, and steps out. No, no. He, he looked out like – I thought he looked out and he, like, opened the windows and you could see he was in space. That might have been it. And he yeah, was like – Yeah, he opened the windows. You could, he looked in the at, view. And, yeah, he could see that he was in – we could see that he was in space. And he said, all right, fell back to work and walked off. So the the rumor is – or the thought is, the thought process is that we're going to be introduced to S.W.O.R.D. in the next season. Yes. Yeah, I see. I was talking to Root about that and, and, and that was – I asked him, what do you think that is? And he's like, oh, I think it's S.W.O.R.D. Yep, which would so, make sense because Sword was introduced when Joss Whedon was writing the X-Men comics for a while there. Yep. And they are like S.H.I.E.L.D. protects the Earth from threats on Earth. Sword yep. protects the Earth from threats coming from the stars. Yep. So Now, that, how do you think that's going to – I mean, do you think – okay, so we're not getting S.H.I.E.L.D. back until January? Yeah, and it's going to be nonstop, no breaks, yep. which is kind of nice. Because we're getting in humans in the fall. Yep. And then that's going to finish up. That's only eight or ten episodes, I think. And then we get just S.H.I.E.L.D. straight through. Yep. Do you think is they're going to tie S.H.I.E.L.D. into Avengers? Uh, no. I no. think I think that they tried to do that, and they did it okay with uh, Captain America, what was it, the Winter Soldier? Um, yep. where they had that crossover. They did that pretty well, but I think that they really hit their stride by not tying it directly into the movies. Um, they've, yeah, that's, yeah, they've done little nods, you know, like after Thor. Yep. The second Thor flick, I think Having it was. To clean up and, yeah, yeah. And they, they've mentioned the Sokovia Accords a couple of times from Civil War, which was nice. Or for, yeah. sorry, from Avengers 2. And obviously in, no, in Avengers. Well, yeah, the so yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and then obviously, you know, when when she was revealed that Hydra was Shield, yes, I, you know, that affected the show tremendously. Yep, but I yep. don't know. So I I'm, just I'm guessing to see another will. season like we just got. I would as well. Holy crap! So, anywho, yeah, so that's gone for the season. That's too bad. But. That is too bad, but it was. It was such an enjoyable season that I'm kind of like I'm okay with it being gone. Yeah, because that was just great. Yeah, it ended well. I mean, it ended with a cliffhanger, but it's not. Oh my god, I, you know, like it's not a big dick move that we're not going to get episodes for nine months, basically, right? <laughs> or eight months, whatever it is. So, oh well. Um, I gotta say, I'm I'm finishing out Prison Break, although it's kind of disheartening knowing that they've already canceled it. So the story that we get is pretty much it. Isn't that frustrating? I wonder if they give us a good a good finale or what it is. They're building 
not to a great finale, but to a, like, it, it feels like they're building towards a cliffhanger because, you know, we finally, in this past episode, it was kind of weird, like, yeah. um, what's his name? I want to say Lincoln, but no, that's the brother. Michael. Doesn't matter. Go ahead. Yeah. Michael. Michael got poisoned probably with antifreeze and they need a cure, but they can't trust any of the doctors around there. So Sarah flies to Greece to help him. I'm like, no, that's, that's ridiculous. That would not happen. But essentially, you know, she gets to have her reunion with him and whatever. And she's showing him pictures on her phone of his son. And he starts flipping through, which you're not supposed to do. If somebody hands you their phone and says, look at this picture, you look at that picture, you do not flip You don't through. look at any more. Exactly. You look at that, you hand it back. Yeah. My mom is so bad about that, I don't even let my phone out of my hand. I just go, no, look with your eyes. You know what you need to do? Fuck is you need what? to put a dick pic on there. Not necessarily one of yours. Just go find like a giant black cock on the internet and mix it in with them, and it'll stop her immediately. She'll probably wonder why you have it on your phone, but you know what? She goes pouring through, and she's like, oh, kid, kid, big black cock. She'll stop. She'll be like, Michael, get this away from me. Be like, yeah, you learned your lesson, didn't you? Anyway, sorry. Just a pet peeve of mine. Um, But anyway, so he's pawing through her phone, and he's like, that's him. That's Poseidon. And, you know, oh, it turns out her new husband really is Poseidon, even though he lied to her and said that he wasn't very unconvincingly. So... You know, we just get that. We've got like one or two episodes left in the season, and I don't know. It doesn't feel like they're gearing up for a resolution. It feels like they're gearing up like they were going to get another season. We'll see. Well, there you go. Yep. Uh, Blacklist? You want to talk about Blacklist? Yeah, let's talk about Blacklist. Uh, two-part two part season, season finale. Yeah. Um, basically it was a human game of chess between Red and, and Kaplan. Yep. And Kaplan came out on the losing end, if you will. Yep. Barely, but she did. Barely. Well, um, yeah, it, she forced the hand. Well, it was interesting because, um, you know, up until this point, she had been several steps ahead of him. Like she was taking apart his empire very easily in some cases. Um, yes, and we see other people that Red that has been loyal that had been loyal to Red for years. All of a sudden, now not being. Yep. Yep. And he's killing a lot of people. Yeah, he's not like he's not walking away and being like, "Okay, I guess we can be done." No, he's killing. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, he's. <laughs> you're my ally, or you're dead. Basically, yeah, and he killed a lot of people in this episode. Yep. Um, I'm not a fan of Gale at all. Like, the character. Doesn't he feel like he was just kind of wedged in there? Yeah, massively. And I feel like, I feel like, like, okay, so essentially Gale has got this investigation going where he somehow talked the, uh, the, this, uh, US, the U.S. Attorney General or whatever to open up this investigation into a secret clandestine or part of the FBI. Yeah. So we can just open a grand jury and question these people about the secret organization that is off this, you know, that's off. That doesn't make any sense, right? No, he's an investigator. There was no right. congressional approval. There was no president talked to. There was nothing. Yeah. He was just like, oh, I want this to happen. They're like, okay. Yeah. And, and Kaplan's fueling it because Kaplan, you know, got Artemis to, to steal, uh, Red's immunity deal. Red's originally signed immunity deal from, from secret government. 
place that uh, they hold documents. Apparently, that's a, that's a friggin' dumpy bookstore. Yeah, and yeah. has a retinal scanner hidden underneath a poster on the wall. Yeah, yeah, and Red just killed that guy and all his friends too. Which, again, Red was not okay. Uh, did, did you pick up on it though? Like that guy, Artemis was Aldous Hodge, who played. Um, he was on Leverage. Uh, he was. Hardison. Artemis. Hardison. I said Artemis. I meant Hardison. Yep. Sorry. And that's, that's what I meant. Yeah, it's Artisan on leverage. Yeah. And at one point, Red's talking to him, and he's like, you know, blah, blah, blah. And Hardison says, I, I wrote it down. I fully expect to die here today. That's the end of your leverage. And I was like, oh, yes. he said the show he used to be he on. He said the show he used to be on. He did the thing. The thing about the show he was on. Yeah. <laughs> I said Artemis. I meant Hardison. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean – Ultimately, I mean, like, they had to – this had to be two episodes the way they did it. Yes. Because it was basically – and they had to air them back-to-back or else it just would have been a jerk thing because there's such a good flow with both of them airing them together like that as opposed to if you watched one one week and then watched one the next week because you would lose all the momentum from one week to the next. You know what I would have actually liked better? Like, what? Just in, the in, movie thing? Yeah. In the background, I've got uh, the TV on, and I saw that Family Guy did a double episode tonight. But they did a double episode as one episode. So if you look in the guide channel or if yeah. I look on my DVR now, it's an hour long, and it lists the title of both episodes. So, like, for me, I'm watching one episode, and it ends, and I have to say stop, delete recording, now go into the other recording, hit play, and it picks up the moment the other one stopped. Why couldn't they have just made it a two-hour thing? If they would have just made it like a, a movie event, yeah. If you, you will, uh, see, you know, a, a blacklist season finale movie event, essentially, yep. yeah, and just piece them together and made them one. Can, yeah, now, I agree with that statement. Now, a lot happened, especially towards the end, and yes. I can't help but feeling if you look at a lot of the stuff that happened, um, they, you could definitely tell they weren't sure if they were getting another season. It felt like they were tying up a lot of loose ends. You know, yes. uh, Samara and uh, Aram finally getting their kiss. Yes, um, exactly. Wrestler going back getting. to the woman and, and having her be like, like, that was a very heated exchange between the two of them, but it, it almost changed. seemed like ridiculous. Well, okay. Well, first, going back real bit, sure. they, 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 find the, they find Prescott, this cleaner. Yep. Or problem solver, if you will. And... They, they they track him down because he hid the body for Hitchings. Yes, and they find the body of uh, Wright, which I keep thinking they're saying Reverend Wright. And I, I do know too. They're not, but it sounds like Reverend Wright for crying out it loud. It does. Anyway, so they find the body of Wright and they pull the bullet out of her, and basically now, you know, wrestler has the evidence he needs to bury Hitchings. However, they're going instead going to use that to leverage her to get her to shut down Gail's investigation. Yep. And once she walks in and basically says, this is over, his character's gone, which I thought for sure we'd see him by the end of the episode again. We did. Remember Red got in the car with him? Like, he got into his car. Yes, and and he took his phone. So that he could find out where, what's her name was. uh, Where Kaplan is. Right, but I'm sorry. But I mean, after that point, I thought we'd see him again. I feel like, I thought he would show up at the end or show up on the bridge or something. Like how the week before he had shown up in the woods to snipe at them. Because it seems like since they've introduced him, he's just doggedly been going after Red. 
and all, now it's just like he gave up. Right. And right, maybe like, they're oh, going to shucks. I'm maybe done. maybe he'll be a factor next season. Yep. But I, yeah, it just it felt like they just wrapped him up. Which, considering he was kind of thrown into the show anyway, right. I'm kind of okay with him being wrapped up and thrown away. He feels like he was a placeholder character. Like they need yes. him in there to basically create a nemesis for them. Right. Right. Create someone that would cause this investigation and da 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 da. Yeah. 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 And so anyways, they get the case thrown out, which means uh, when Mr. Kaplan had gone to Gail to turn herself in and she was going to get immunity to testify against Red and on and on and on. And then before she gives any testifying, she needs 24 hours to get her affairs in order and just walks out and they let her go. Yeah. Yep. That made sense. Yeah. Um, so the case is gone. So now she's lost her leverage, if you will. And the only place she has left is going to this farmhouse and digging up this body that was in a suitcase that looks like a child and not an adult, by the way. Mm. Um, well, they dig, she digs up a suitcase and we don't see to the end what it is, but anyways. And her final play is basically she's expecting Red to kill her so that way her confidant can go pick it up. And when he doesn't kill her, she's like, all right, fine. And he jumps off. She jumps off the bridge. And it definitely, like, she positioned herself to go in head first. And then we see her body floating face down. And I would yeah. imagine at her advanced age, plus the trauma that she's had to her head with two different gunshot wounds in her life. Yeah. I would imagine that, you know, that plus the whole jumping off the bridge, what is it, 32 feet per second per second. Right. Hitting that water, kind of like concrete, I'd say she's dead. I think yeah. we can f safely put the nail in her coffin and say I, I, she I would. Well, but then we saw her confident picking the suitcase up. Yes. But that I, was like that was like one of the closing things in the episode. But I think that that's one of those, if you haven't heard from me by X o'clock, go here right. and do this. Right. Right. Um, so, essentially, also in this episode... Uh, the director, I can't think of his name, he goes Harold. to Harold, goes to the evidence, and he takes a piece of a shirt from the fire that Elizabeth was in, and that Red had bled on the shirt, allegedly. Yep. Red had, apparently, and he sends it off to be DNA tested to match it to Elizabeth, and the results apparently are that Elizabeth is Red's daughter. Yep. And she's completely okay with it, and she's actually happy and relieved to finally know. And they have this big scene where she does this big speech about how even though things have been the way they are, you've done what you've done, on and on and on. It's okay because we're family, and now I know, and just why would not you tell me because you thought I'd push away? And she answers her own questions, and he just basically goes, all right, you got me. And then they hug. Yep. And then cut to Denby going, and you're going to let her believe it? <laughs> Like, how many people do you think were like, yes, it's true. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And then, like, they don't even wait, a, a, like, a second before they cut to someone, you know, Denmi going, and you're going to let her believe it. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's... I actually thought that was pretty cool. There are some shows out there, this is one of them, that yeah. after a while, you get tired of them having the... Uh, mystery of who's right, who's wrong, what's the truth, what isn't. After a while, you're like, can you just give me some solid truth so that I can work yep. on it? You yep. know, you wouldn't have gotten shit like this in How I Met Your Mother. God damn it. Well, but anyway. 
Well, you yeah. kind of did, but yeah. You kind of did at the end, right? Um, so I loved how at the end they kind of surmise everything. You know, Red goes, the suitcase is not there. Elizabeth's not going to like this. Cut to, oh, Tom Keen's the confidant for Mr. Kaplan. Yeah. He picks up the suitcase, opens it up right there in the, in the bus station. <laughs> the bus station with everybody around. And we see like a small skeleton. I, I assume it's a child. I don't know because all the pieces, it was not like laid out like a skeleton. I mean, it was I just guess pieces. It could be an adult. It just like the rib cage looks small and everything. Yep. And he's just kind of like, huh, close. Phone rings. I got the goods. Who's he talking to? Right. Uh, and then also. And why is it that we haven't seen him for several episodes, but he's here working for Mr. Kaplan? His, right. his goal would be to protect and keep Elizabeth safe. So if he believes that yep. getting her this suitcase will do that, but how could it? Like, how could remains keep her safe? I don't think that he would have the desire to take that to her. And then the other thing also is, like, basically since Kate came, uh, Mr. Kaplan came back, Kate came back, and we're seeing her character, her drive is to protect Elizabeth, and we see their history and everything else, but then all of a sudden, she just basically is like, ah, well, I'm going to do this, and if Elizabeth gets arrested, she gets arrested, she made her choice. Well, now her drive is to take down Red completely? Yeah, they even comment on that. You yeah. Know? And she says that she... You know, it was kind of an oversight on her part. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, uh, the, like you were saying earlier, wrestler is now with Hitchings. He has to go to collect his uh, FBI ID from her. And she basically says, I own you now. You're going to do what I tell you to do. That's how it works. <laughs> and he, it was a really weird exchange because then he's like, you know, no, I'm not. And she goes, yes, you are. And he goes to walk away from her. And she says something about don't piss standing up in my house. Yeah. And yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I want to know where she was going with that because then he turns around and shoves her and. Well, she grabs his arm. Yeah. And he turns and pushes her away. And she takes a wicked freaking digger and <laughs> clonks her head. And then you see the blood come out, which lets you know, oh, wait. She did. Yeah, like she took a bad fall and died. She hit her head and died. And so he just sits down on a couch and just sits there and waits. And then eventually yeah. the cleaner shows up. But, yeah, the, nah. but the cleaner was introduced to him under a false name by Red. Yes. So that's what he calls him again. He's like Mr. You know Phillips or whatever. You need to get out yeah. of here. It looks like you need, yeah. And the thing is, is like wrestlers become what he hates. He's become the guy, the criminal that's getting away with murder because that's what drove him to be a cop because how the guy that killed his sister, his mother or whatever got away with it. Yep. And, and yet, and that's he's always he hated did. red and that whole world and because of it that the task force dances so close to the edge. And that was even kind of, you know, put right in his face by the guy. I can't even remember his name now, but the guy who we hate who, you know, showed up for no reason. To create the Gale. anti-task force, yeah, Gale. Yeah. You know that guy was basically telling him over and over again. You know, you've become corrupt. You're part of the problem. Yeah. And blah blah. Now, but do you think wrestler feels uh, justified because Hitching's a murderer? Yep, I think he really does. And the fact that she, oh well, and I'll he's just, probably going to hate himself for that too. Yeah. And then, of course, like you said, um, Samar and. Um, Aram. Aram. Yeah. 
she discovers that his girlfriend, the, the one that had uh, lied to him previously that he's now dating again, uh, <laughs> gave him up. They like damaged women, apparently. Apparently gave him up. Yep. And that's how they discovered that. That's how they subpoenaed him and then gave him immunity to force him to testify against everybody. Again, in the, the completely bogus, they really can't do that trial. Uh, yeah. And sh- she doesn't tell Aram, and but he lets – but she does, the girlfriend – Spills the beans. Yep. Because she thinks that he knows. Oh, doesn't just spill the beans. She flat oh. out turns him in. Yeah. Well, no, that's, but no, that's what I mean. She says to him, yeah, I turned you in. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they said they were going to expunge my record. I mean, what do you expect me to do, right? Da, 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 da. And he's like, what are you talking about? But Samar never told him. Yeah. So then he goes and finds her and lays one on her. Yeah. Because basically he said, um, you know, Samar was going to tell him. And then he's like, um, no, because like, She's the only thing that's keeping me going in here or something like that. It was, it was kind of, you know, it, it was one of those things you saw it coming. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Finally. I mean, it was a long time in the making. Yeah. But do you think they're actually going to follow through the relationship in the fall or do you think they'll just surmise that they had a fling over the summer, quote unquote, and they realized that it didn't work? No, I think that they will. They've been building this up slowly and pretty well. So I think that they will let this go through. Well, there you go. <laughs> did you uh, did you watch any other shows this week, sir, that you're going to talk about? Um, I will talk about one. I, I did watch iZombie and again, I really like iZombie. Um, I, I really enjoy it. Anybody else out there watching it probably knows what I'm talking about. It is a fun show. I'd love to see a DC crossover because it is a Vertigo comic. So it'd be fun if they found a way to, you know, get it into. It's on the CW. They could put it as part of Flash or something. You know, these two are medical examiners, so it's not that far anyway. Um, Lucifer this week though was another pretty good episode. Um, the only unfortunate part, okay, so in this one, Lucifer meets God. They find mm-hmm. God at a mental institution, um, and it's Timothy Amundsen, and I love Timothy Amundsen. He was the uh, detective dick on Psych, and yep. most recently he was King Richard in uh, Gallivant, and he's just a friggin' phenomenal actor, and I love him. And he was God. And, you know, of course, nobody believed him at first. His wife had him committed because he was telling everybody he was God. And, uh, you know, he went to talk, Lucifer went to talk to him, you know, like, you're not really God. And he knew his real name. He called him Samael and told him how sorry he was and this and that. You know, basically, it was one of those episodes where they're like, he's got enough information or does he, you know, constantly making you try to guess. But, it turned out to be pretty legit. Like he really knew things that were going on. He really recognized Lucifer as Samael. He he wasn't phased by the fact that, you know, he demoned out in front of him. Uh but by the end of the episode, it turned out that it wasn't really God, it was the belt buckle that he was wearing, which was one of the three pieces of the flaming sword. So they've got Azrael's blade, and then the belt buckle is the uh, the hilt of it. And essentially they said that there are three different pieces of it. There's the blade of death, um, the amulet of life. And that's why the, 
one of the things that this guy did was he actually brought a woman back to life. Like she had had her throat cut and he put his hands on her and all the blood like sucked back into her body and the wound healed. And that's why they also thought that he might be God. Um, so it's the amulet of life. And then there's the key that locks all three pieces together to make the flaming sword whole again so that they can get back into heaven. And, uh, yeah, it wasn't a bad episode. Um, I like it again when they can get into the actual mythology type stuff and not just the sleazy nightclub owner or, you know, Maze being herself and being just reckless and horny all the time. So yeah, I thought it was pretty good. And, uh, I also watched a new show this week. It was a half an hour comedy show, comedy drama, and it was called Downward Dog. I don't know if you've seen anything on this or if you watched it or not. That's a yoga pose, isn't it? It is a yoga pose, but in this case, um, okay, you remember the girl who played the cop in season one of Fargo? Yeah, I liked her. Yep. Uh, she is a woman who owns a dog, and the dog narrates the story and talks to the camera, and it's really well done. You could tell that it's done by somebody who has had dogs and who loves dogs. So, you know, the dog, hes it's not like goofy comedy. He's not just like, oh, I hope we get to go out today. He's talking about, like, the troubles with life. He's like, you know, I, I could tell that there's something wrong with her. She doesn't seem happy. We used to go on walks all the time. Now she just throws me out in the yard. You know, I feel like she's letting her legs get all furry and blah, blah, blah. He talks about how, you know, she... Uh, she broke up with her boyfriend and he really wasn't that sad to see him go, which when the boyfriend first shows up on the screen, it's like a blur. He just kind of like takes off. But then later on, he comes by to pick up some of his stuff. And I'm like, I know this guy. He has like long shaggy hair and facial hair. I'm like, but I know him. I know those eyes. I know that nose. It's Lucas Neff who played Jimmy on uh, Raising Hope. Oh, cool. And it's just, it's a half hour show, but it was really well done. If you like dogs and you, you, you know, if you feel a connection to pets, then I strongly recommend checking the show out. It's what channel is it on? It's on ABC. Um, it was on like Wednesday night this week, I believe, but they're moving it to Tuesday night. So next week it's going to have a conflict with Flash and another one that I record. I think I zombie or something, but, um, I'm going to be checking it out from here on out, but it was cute. It was nicely done. And, you know, we get to see her life, but then her dogs trying to help her through life basically and try to have a relationship with her. He shows, you know, his memories of how he had a really rough childhood and then she came and rescued him and he rescued her and blah, blah, blah. I really enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Cool. And the only other thing that I will say about TV is 12 monkeys this week. Their fourth season started and ended. They did this thing that I've never seen happen before on network TV, but I love it. They got a 10-episode order for their fourth season, and they were told, this will be it. The, the season's done. So they said, all right, you know what we're going to do? We're going to shoot them all, and we're going to put them all up. So basically, Friday night, they aired the first four episodes. Saturday, they aired the next three. Sunday, right now, they're airing the last three. So Holy all, shit. all 10 episodes are done this weekend. I'm saving them. And this coming week, when everything's kind of going away, I've got a couple of days with no shows. I'm going to binge watch season four and love every minute of it. Cause I've mentioned it before. I'll mention it again. 12 monkeys is some phenomenal time traveling TV entertainment. Nice. Yeah. That is it. That is very unusual to do something like it that. It really is. It was cool enough that they got the order, you know, that they were allowed to have a fourth season to finish things up. But for them to be like, you know what? We're going to give it to you all at once. Whoa. Love it. That is pretty cool. Yep. That is pretty cool. Um, 
I got news mostly to talk about, uh, but I do have one movie to discuss. Did you watch any movies? Yes, I did. Which would you watch? Right at the uh, finish line. I scraped in this afternoon. First time that I've been out in a while, but I managed to go see Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. All right. What did you think? Um, I won't go full-on spoiler, like point by point, because, you know, the movie's, what, two and a half weeks old? Yeah. So there's still time for people to watch it. Uh, I really, really, really enjoyed the movie. I thought it was really well done. I laugh my ass off. Yep. Oh yeah. Now, did what did you think about my my uh, when we talked about Drax? Remind me again what you had said. Well, what I said was is I figured like in this time around, I figured they would go with the uh, the same the serious direction of Drax. Maybe he would be more serious, but instead right. he's more comedic. And like you said, it's because now he's probably. Essentially, oh, they did the one thing in this that they do in the f- stupid Fast and the Furious movies. They drive me insane. Family, family, he's <laughs> family. When they made the point at the end to talk about them being family, I was yep. like, don't, don't say it excessively, please. Right. But it basically, I, you know, maybe Drax was loosened up like he was because he's, he's with his family or friends. But I mean, he's still, he's still Drax. You know, I thought uh, they did his character so well. And I thought Batista did a fantastic job. I love the part where he's pretending to throw up at the idea <laughs> of having – I'm thinking of you and I having intercourse or whatever it is. Or, yep. And he's like, like I, just, <laughs> um, I thought his character was so awesome because he was ridiculously over the top. Like in the yep. first one, they introduced him as being um, literal. Like, they yes. don't know sarcasm. They're just a very literal race. And like you said, you got to see a bit of that. You yes. got to see him. But in oh, this he was one, very literal with no sarcasm, but everything was funny to him. Yes. In this one, yeah. they took it to the extreme, but they stuck with it. That was the one yeah. thing that got me. Like, they didn't try to change it. They didn't try to make him grow or change or say, you know, well, I need to start doing this. He never said, you know, I need to fit in better. He was just – he's literally – like, I'm sure you've seen the articles online, but – um there are people out there with autism who identify with him. Yeah. And he essentially is a walking advertisement for Asperger's. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like he, <laughs> oh, you are hideous. You are disgusting. You look terrible. And, but then he comes up with a brilliant line about how, like, the good news is that if you get loved, ugly people, when they are loved, they know that they are loved to the core of their being, whereas beautiful people never know who to trust. And you're like, well, goddamn. You know, yeah. that's some insightful yeah. shit right there. <laughs> or later on, you really are beautiful on, on the, the inside. inside. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I really – He waits a beat. Yeah. Yeah. I felt that they really stuck to his character. They developed it a bit more but let him be who he was and never apologized for it. Nobody ever like called him on it or were like, dude, you're, you're too harsh. You're such an asshole. No, they just – they accepted who he was because that's how he is. And I really like that. Um. Like I said, the humor was insane in this. I mean, there was a lot of the same kind of stuff from the first movie, but then more so. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely, though, kind of to the point that you were saying, the theme was people figuring out who they were, where they belonged, more so than yes. the first movie. Yep. And it wasn't just like, oh, we're all a family. It was one-on-ones. You know, it was 
you know, this person and this person coming to terms with who they were, whether it's from saying I'm like you or from settling old scores. Um, yeah. It, it was really well done. Two of my favorite parts, honestly, uh, were the baby group parts. I, I gotta say, not just because he was cute, but because they really hammed it up. So the first one was, of course, the fight scene in the beginning. Oh, yes. When he's battling, dancing. Basically the opening credits, yeah. 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 And, you know, the fact that it's, we've got this giant, trans-dimensional being that we're going to be fighting and everyone's getting their ass kicked constantly, but it's like off screen because we get dancing baby Groot. We get, yeah, through the whole thing, yeah. Soundtrack to this movie was amazing. Yeah. I really felt like that scene, uh, the dancing baby Groot scene was, uh, James Gunn saying, I know what you want. Here you go. You know, yeah. we've got this awesome choreographed fight scene in the background with CGI and everything, but I know what you people want. You want dancing baby Groot. So here you go. Here and you how are, everyone people. was looking out for Groot during the fight. Yeah. <laughs> like all of them were as they were battling this giant, like alien monster beast. They're like, Groot, get out of the way. Yeah. I love yeah. it when Gamora does it. She's like, get out of the way. You're going to get hurt. And he waves at her and she's like, hi. Yeah. <laughs> And then the other part was when Yondu and Rocket were trying to get him to bring back the fin. Oh my god, that was <laughs> That's awesome. a desk. <laughs> That's my underwear. <laughs> and they give him the badge and he's like, he puts it on his head, I am Groot. He thinks you want him to wear it as hat. No, I don't want him to wear it as hat. I am Groot. Oh, he says, thank god. He hates hats. He hates everything about hats, even on other people. It's like people could have a normal head, but then they take off their hat and you realize, wow, they were hiding something hideous under there. Really? Is this a conversation that needs to happen right now? Was, uh, I really so liked Yondu this time around. Yeah. Like his character. Talk about, uh, not retribution, but talk about, um. Redemption? Huh? Redemption? You cut out twice. Oh. Uh, redemption? Re- I'll, I'll, okay, yes. All I was getting was Shin? Huh? Shin? <laughs> Shin. Yeah, redemption. Talk about redemption, you know? Yep. Yeah, good stuff. It was really good stuff. It, it's, I loved it. I could see a lot of parts in there that were probably designed for 3D, uh, but didn't need to be. Yep. You know, I didn't see it in 3D, and I didn't feel like I missed out on anything, but I saw a number of different parts where I'm like, oh, I'll bet you that was good in 3D. Oh, yeah, I'm sure there was a bunch of things. I didn't see it in 3D either. I, I don't like going to see movies in 3D. Yeah. I'm weird like that. No, there's a few people. Uh, my friend Kelly doesn't like seeing them because uh, she gets a headache afterwards. I mean, I have glasses. I wear glasses. All right? I don't want to wear glasses on my glasses. It's annoying to wear glasses on your glasses. They really when need you to have work glasses. on the technology. Why couldn't they do it to the screen? You know, they're already projecting it out to the screen. Why can't it just project through a 3D filter? It's pretty much brilliant what you just said. <laughs> I don't see I mean, why I don't this hasn't happened already. I don't know the semantics <laughs> to it all, but that was pretty genius what you just well, said. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, definitely check out Guardians 2. Um, I was worried at first. It felt like some of the songs were jammed in there just to say, oh, we got songs in here, we got songs in here. But there were some that were really well done, like – one of my favorites was when Yondu and Rocket are walking slowly through the ship and they're playing, um, you're my kind of man. Yes. Holy God. That was well done. That was like, the words were just great as they're walking through there and just that arrows flying. And 
Yeah, no, that was pretty Come awesome. Come a little bit cl- Oh, I was just Oh, did you it. see the fin on his head, on Yondu's head at the end there, was more like the fin from the comics? Yes. Yes, Where I he's did. saying, oh, that's my, that's my prototype. Well, that's, that's what he wore in the comics. Yep. So, I mean, that, that I always like when they kind of do stuff like that, because you go, ooh. Like in the Thor Ragnarok trailer, you get to see, like, you know, him with the helmet and everything. Yes. Oh, and speaking of which, so... By the way, everybody, there are five different PSs. Uh, most of them are just fun and funny. There's only one that really seems to lead up towards the next movies in the Marvel Universe, or at least have some tie-in at some point. So, um, yeah, stick around all the way through the credits, unlike most of the people in the theater. Um, I haven't people learned their lesson yet? I don't know. Um, um, did you notice, like, in the rolling credits, like... Um the I am Groot's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, well, not only that, but like in the little circle off on the right side, you had the dancing um, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah, it, yeah, and I wasn't quite sure why. Like he's in the trailer for Thor Ragnarok, but he wasn't even it's, in any of the PSs. It's just a, it's just a little nod to Thor Ragnarok, I guess, from what I read. I well, don't there was know. also a guy just before him. There was a guy on the left who was dancing, and he was kind of a heavy set guy who looked like he had shaved his head, and I couldn't figure out who he was. Nobody could. Yep. Yep, I don't know who he was either. I'm like, he's not in the movie. Um, but I read an interesting theory the other day, and I really like it. And the more I think about it, the more I like it. The okay. one Infinity Stone we haven't seen yet is the Soul Gem, and that's the one that allows you to control any soul of any living creature. Yep. And it's probably going to come up in Thor Ragnarok. The theory is that it's inside of Heimdall. Because in the comics, the uh, soul gem was orange, and that's the color of his eyes. And he has the ability to see and know where any soul is in the entire universe. Oh. So oh, I'm wondering that's if Helia's going to rip him open for that. Because Helia traditionally, you know, Queen of the Underworld, would want control over souls. That is, that's a very interesting theory, sir. Yep, I liked it. I liked Good it. Good job. So you said you watched a movie. I did. I watched The Founder. Okay. And I've been interested in watching this movie since oh, I first saw the yes. trailer. yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's the Michael Keaton movie. He stars as Ray Kroc. Yes. And the movie itself is based on Ray Kroc's autobiography and another unauthorized biography. Uh, and um, basically Michael P. Keaton pays Ray Kroc. And, and he is the guy who essentially stole McDonald's from the McDonald brothers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and they are in, played by Nick Offerman and John Carroll Lynch. Nice. So – Pretty cool, but basically this is this is what it is. Uh, the true story, <laughs> the true story. You know what I mean. Uh, Ray Kroc, basically, um, he is a he's a guy that always jumps into different things. Like he does this for a while, then he tries this and this and this. He's always looking for that get rich quick scheme type of thing. And at this point in his life, he has a business where he sells shake machines. And he's going around all these different like car hop diners and places of that similar ilk and he's trying to like get them to buy. This is a five mixer shake machine, which is way better than most places which have a one mixer shake machine. You can make more shakes. And through his travels, um, you know, the McDonald's brothers, according to the movie, I don't know if this is real life or not, but they order like five from the from him and he thinks it's a mistake so he calls him to verify but the guy's really too busy to talk so but they want eight shake machines now so he drives out to california 
where the first McDonald's stand is built. And he meets the McDonald's brothers, and he wants to take them out to dinner. And basically, as they sit at dinner, again, I don't know if this is real life, but this is in the movie. But this is the point where they just basically tell us how the McDonald's brothers came up with the concept of McDonald's. How they came up with the concept of their restaurant, the how they start by talking about all the other like failed businesses and model business models and things that they started, and then now this is how they got to 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 McDonald's to the setup they have where they do, you know the the, the way they set up their kitchen, the way they cook their food, and basically making it fast food, you know, and this is how they invented the process. Gotcha. So you'd go order your food, and within 30 seconds, it'd be in front of you type of thing. Um, and that was pretty neat. Like I would like to think that that was pretty accurate just because that's got to be known, you know, how it was done. So anyways, I didn't do any research to see how accurate the movie was compared to what happened in real life. But regardless, we all know what the, the story is. The McDonald's brothers opened the store. Ray Kroc is the one that Fran started the franchising. And according to the movie, he really had to bend over backwards to get them to agree to the franchising of it all. And essentially, like, the McDonald's brothers took a little cut. They only allowed him to take a little cut, and the majority of the money would go to the franchisee who, who's purchasing the franchise. But the quality control with which the McDonald's brothers demanded to have at every restaurant was exceptionally high. And Ray Kroc basically was just like, screw this. I can make more money if I switch to a powdered shake mix. I can make more money if I buy frozen French fries. And then one of the biggest things he did, which is kind of how we got them out of it, was before the franchisees would find a plot of land and they would buy the land and then they would work with – then they would buy the franchise, the franchise from um, – Ray Kroc. And what he ended up doing was Ray started buying the land and then making the franchisees sign a lease with them over the land. And that's how he kind of made his money so then he could hire a lawyer to basically screw the McDonald's brothers because they essentially couldn't afford to fight him in court over the contract violations. Gotcha. So instead, I think the McDonald's brothers, according to the movie, each ended up with like after taxes, a million dollars each in a settlement. And Ray Kroc went put that and, and they wanted like a one percent cut of the profits from the company forever. And he wouldn't put that in there, but he promised them via handshake deal that he, they would get that. And of course, they never did. Um, so yeah, basically it's just a story of how Ray Kroc stole McDonald's from the McDonald's brothers. It's a really cool story. It's, I mean, I know I just told you the whole movie. You should still go watch it. Yeah. I remember seeing the preview for it and thinking that I wanted to check it out at some point. Yeah. I mean, you should absolutely still go watch it because there's so much I left out of there. Um, but, and, and again, and that's not a story anyone didn't know. Really, ultimately. I mean, right. I remember reading about it years ago that that's what happened. It'd be like going to see Titanic and being surprised the boat sank, you know? <laughs> exactly. Um, essentially, the McDonald's brothers started the business and he stole it from them. He took the name. He took everything. I mean, yeah. It's a good flick, though. Michael Keaton's great in it. So Nice. Yeah, and I also watched um, 
and I don't want to talk about this one a lot, but I watched Office Christmas Party. Okay. I, I saw I'm, that one in the theater. I, I remember you seeing it in the theater, and I think you liked it a lot. Yep. But and I, I, did, I, I, did, I didn't hate the movie, but I'm just, eh, okay. Yeah, it was definitely not the type of thing that I ran out to buy, but at the time, yeah. I needed a good laugh, and I got some good laughs out of it. Yeah, I mean, I, I laughed, but uh, it's not like I need to watch it ever again in life. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I saw some trailers this week. Did you watch some trailers? I sure did. Most of mine are TV shows, but let's just jump to the big the big one. In my opinion, I think you'll agree this is the big one this week. Oh, my God. The uh, Star Trek Discovery. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Finally seeing some footage. Uh-huh. After I mean, all this time and all these teases. and I mean, this is a show that was supposed to start five months ago. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm so I'm so excited about it. It looks great. It's you know, like I said, like, like we've talked about, it's ten years before Kirk and the Enterprise. Uh, Michelle Yeoh's in it, which is awesome because I'm a big fan of hers. I mean, it just looks awesome. I cannot. It wait. does. I'm, yes. I'm very excited. I'm very very excited, and I know Jer's very excited. Oh yes. Um, but I'm I'm super excited to watch this show. Me too. Absolutely. Um. I gotta say, on a similar note, mm-hmm. this week I saw the trailer, and I'm sure you did as well, because I put it up there, and I'm pretty sure you liked it for The Orville. Yeah, I had, <laughs> I didn't see that. I had no idea what that was like. I had no idea what that was about. I hadn't nope. heard anything about it or nothing. Nope, it kind of came out of nowhere for me as well. And then even after watching the trailer, I couldn't tell if this was a movie or TV show. I had to go look it up. (laughs) So basically, you've got Star Trek Discovery, which is the Star Trek universe. And then you've got The Orville, which is Seth MacFarlane's newest TV series. It's going to be live action. He will be starring in it. And it's it kind of reminds me of like a Galaxy Quest kind of thing. Except it's supposed to be real. So it's like the yeah. Galaxy Quest show, not the Galaxy Quest movie where you see all the right. actors outside of the show. And, and it's essentially, we have 300 ships and we need captains. Yeah, yeah. They're, they've run out of captains for their ships, so they're putting basically anybody in there. Right. And it looks hilarious. Uh, I I looked up all the actors from the trailer that I saw because some of them look familiar. Some of them, like... Uh, the red-headed guy who pilots the ship is Scott yep. Grimes. He's most famous for being the voice of Steve Smith on American Dad. Um, okay. He, uh, Adrian Pilecki is going to be playing his uh, ex-wife slash first officer. Nice. As if, you know, you take one look at her and you're like, oh, look, it's Bobby from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, right, right. And the other one that was a big one for me was The Doctor. Uh, she's wearing the green outfit and everything. I was like, she looks familiar. That's, uh, she was the chief on Castle for the last couple of seasons. Yes. Yep. So, and then the rest of them are relatively unknown people. Although I will say, um, the, the girl there with the ridges on her head and he's like, Hey, can you open this door? And she like knocks down the whole wall. Um, she, if you look up her acting career, everything that she's done has been the pretty girl. Like, she was in Grown Ups, and I think Grown Ups, too. She's always been, like, the attractive girl. So it's nice to see her getting to be somebody who's, like, hiding behind kind of an ugly face and yep. just being a strong character. Oh, that's funny. Yep. But if you haven't seen that preview, guys, go check it out. The Orville. Yeah, it's it looks hilarious. hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. Uh, you saw the Black Lightning trailer? Yes. Um, what would you think? Okay. 
I was kind of mixed on this one. For one thing, I'm automatically disappointed that they're not making it part of the Arrowverse. And I still hate that they call it the Arrowverse, but they are not planning on having it crossover. Even though it'll be on CW, and it's a DC property. And Is it the no- same showrunners, too? Yeah. There's no yeah. reason for it not to be, but they're like, nope, we're keeping it out of there. So, whatever. I don't yeah. know why, but they're keeping it out of there. The trailer reminded me a lot of Legion of of, of uh, Luke Cage. I mean, yes. Oh, didn't it? And, and yeah. that's that's not a racist thing. That's a you know. No, it's just, that's what it reminded me of that he, that show that seventies black exploitation type yeah. movie type theme. Yeah, it's exactly it what it reminded like me of. He's a big black guy who puts together a suit that lets him control and throw electricity, and he wants to clean up the streets. But then he has a wife and kids, and realizes it's too dangerous because he's basically his wife finds him in a tub, you know, soaking bullet wounds, and she's like, "You can't do this anymore. You're going to die." So he hangs that up and becomes a principal at a high school. And says, you know, I'm doing far more good here, keeping these kids controlled and educated. But yeah. then his daughters get older, and the gang that he was fighting before has become bigger. They call it the 100. There's already a show on the CW called the 100. Anyway, <laughs> so so the gang gets bigger, and now they're threatening his daughters. So now he's going to come out of retirement, right? It. It looks okay. I'll watch it. I'm sure I will because it's a superhero show. Oh, yeah. I'm going to at least check out the first episode. But there's, it's really disappointing that they're not going to put it as part of the shared universe. Yeah, it really is. I'm really bummed about that. Maybe it's because they're trying to go for a more dramatic route, although you can't get much more dramatic than Oliver Queen and company. (sighs) Tell me about it. And did you get the sense, like, it looks like he's just got this suit that he built because he's constantly tinkering with the suit. But then, like, at one point, his daughter's narrating it. And she's like, I found out that being a superhero, blah, 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 runs in the family. And, like, her hands. Yeah, I orange. saw that. It's I thought I kind of thought it was the same thing. Like, the suit is what gave him the power. But I, I guess not. Yeah. I don't know. Or maybe she became a, no, no, she can't become a metahuman because it's not in the same universe. Yeah. It'll probably yeah. be like, this is Earth-23 or something like that. They'll tie it in somehow. I don't see how they can't. Yeah. I mean, if they brought Supergirl over from CBS to tie it into the yeah. universe, then they'll... Yeah, it'll have to happen eventually. So did you watch that Dark Crystal teaser? Yes. And I'm a little... I was telling my sister, when I was a kid, I really liked the Dark Crystal. Yep. It was great. But that's through nostalgia filters. You know? It's like exactly. saying, I loved... G.I. Joe and Transformers as a kid. And then you go back and watch the cartoons, you go, God, these are terrible. You know? Yeah, they're, they're not very good. They're not good at all. And then when we got the Transformers live action movies, look what Michael Bay did to that. Look at the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles live action movies. Uh, all of them. I don't care what yeah. you say, people. The first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie was terrible as well. And so I'm worried with the Dark Crystal that they're just trying to play on our nostalgia again and I'm not going to enjoy it. I hope I do. I hope this tells the story of back in the day, you know, back before the Gelflings knew what the world was like and said, you know, oh, it's always been like this. I hope that this tells how the world got to that way, how they abused the Dark Crystal, but I'm not as excited as some people. I'm more trepidy. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm in the same boat as you. Like, I am excited about it, mm-hmm. but. Like you, basically, like everything you just said. So I, I am looking forward to watching it though, just to see. Yep. Yeah, just to give it a test drive. I Absolutely. Guess. Oh yeah, I'm not like, oh, I'm so against this, but I'm just very hesitant to, you know, throw in and say, oh, I'm so excited about this. It's going to be great. 
Did you see the trailer for Crossing, the new TV show on ABC? Nope. So basically, um, okay, uh, Steve Zahn, I think, is the town sheriff. Like it already? And he gets called to – it's a drama. He gets called to this beach where a, they've, a a body of a girl is washed ashore. And he gets down there and turns her over and she's alive. And then like one of his deputies who's got a higher view of the water goes, oh my god. And he turns around and essentially there's like 500 people floating out in the ocean or something like that. I mean it's an astronomically huge number. But only, well, not astronomical. I was going to say five hundred is not an yeah, astronomical sorry. Huge but, well, it's just it's a big number of people, and right. essentially gotcha. like forty-seven of them survived. And they're and apparently it, they're not the only. Apparently, they're refugees, but they're from the United States. Two hundred and fifty years in the future. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember reading briefly about that. Yeah, because and I was talking about how South with, Park did that episode. They're fleeing with ever happened from what, you know, they're fleeing from whatever was that happened and they somehow figure out a way to do this. And then the big twist thing is like, we're not the first ones to come here. And then it's like, so you don't know who else has already washed ashore previously or whatever or how they got there or what they did. But there was like 500 people and only like 47 of them survived or something like that. So, I don't know. It's kind of interesting. I'm, I'm definitely going to watch the first episode. It's from the – oh, I think it's from the producers of Lost as well. They okay. think they said or, – or they said the network that brought you Lost. They somehow tied it into Lost in the trailer. Gotcha. I yeah, missed that little check bit. check that one out. Yeah, yeah. go check go, – go watch it. Go watch it. My only other two news items I have, number one is Roseanne was picked up by ABC. They, got, they outbid Netflix. Apparently, I didn't realize there was a thing for that. <laughs> And then finally, I just read yesterday that in Supernatural Season 13, <laughs> there will be an animated episode with the Scooby-Doo gang. And you know what? I will I'm down it. for that. Yep. Because my immediate thought was, it's going to be like Mystery Spot. I'm 100% down with that. I really I, hope I, that they go meta and they're like talking about how they're animated and how ridiculous it is having a talking dog. And Yeah. Oh. I just... I won't watch it's going to be like the, the season, old I will watch Scooby Doo celebrity episode. You yep. know, where Batman showed up or the Globe Batman and Robin, up. the Three Stooges, Albert and Costello. Yep. I mean, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> it's, I, I just, I'm kind of excited about it. It's as my sister said. It's like they're jumping a shark by jumping another shark. But oh, yeah, I could get I mean, behind I, this one. Well, okay, Supernatural has done some pretty weird things. Okay, yeah, um, but they've pulled them off, like the musical episode. Yeah. Was quite amazing, actually. Like, or the, you know what I mean? The episode where they were there to watch the musical play about them or whatever was, yep. that was phenomenal. The mystery spot episode, I mean, that just doesn't get old no matter how many times you watch it. <laughs> you know, or the one, or any episode, like, there's the one episode where <sighs> Dean tells it from his point of view and Sam tells it from his point of view. Yep. And in Sam's point of view, Dean's like face is chock full of food because like, oh, hey, like from the candy dish in the office or something. I don't know. And what was that episode? Was it a rabbit's foot that – was it a rabbit's yes. foot or a monkey's foot? The yes. rabbit's foot where we got to see like Sam uh, – yeah, Sam falling down all the time. Luck. and Yes. Yeah. If you had the rabbit's foot – if you yeah, it brought you bad luck yep. if you got rid of it or if lost it. If you lost it, it yep. You lost it. You had bad luck. Yes, that's when they had the the British girl there that was yes. too used to 
find and sell all these items, and then the Hellhounds came for that was the oh that's right that was a season that was cut short from the writer's strike. Yep. So Bella, Bella Talbot, Bella, Bella, yeah, okay. Who now that plays? And she now plays uh, Maggie on The Walking Dead. Um, really? Yeah. Huh. Same girl, Lauren. I Cohan. did not realize. I had. I did not realize that. Yep. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. Also, uh, much to her chagrin, I'm sure, she was the uh, female lead in the second Van Wilder movie, the direct-to-DVD oh, about Jesus, the yeah, rise of Taj. Oh, that's, that was, yeah. First um, one was bad enough, and it had Ryan Reynolds. The second one, no what, Ryan Reynolds? What, what do you yeah. mean bad enough? The first one was amazing. Van Wilder? Van Wilder was amazing. I don't know if we could still be friends if you think that Van Wilder was terrible. Maybe I'll have to rewatch it. I don't know. That was awesome. It was just, it was great. Anyway, getting off track here. I, I'm just a little shocked. Um, I saw two other trailers this week that were interesting. All right. One was for a show called Ghosted. Oh, yes. I did watch that trailer. Uh, that looks good. It's Adam yeah. Scott and, um, oh my God, Craig Robinson. And it, they say that it's like the other side of the X-Files. Yeah. I don't know if I'd really say that, but they're kind I don't of thrust get that either. They're kind of thrust into the supernatural world of like alien abductions and ghosts and stuff and yep. they don't really want to be, but they're kind of thrust into it. It looks funny. It it didn't look as good as the Orville, but it looked funny. Mm-hmm. Yes, agreed. The other one I was kind of surprised to see it's called Alex Incorporated. And the only reason that I actually took time to watch it was because it's Zach Braff's newest project. And he actually got it greenlit, and he actually got it picked up, and it's huh. a dramedy. It seems to be heavier on the drama, and he's basically like he hates his job, and he hates his soul-crushing life, but he loves his family. It looks like every other Zach Braff movie that he's done, you know, the yep. guy who just doesn't like where he's at in life. So he says, I'm just going to go out and start my own business, and... You should check out the trailer. What channel did it? What uh, did it have a network? I don't remember. I want to say ABC, but I honestly don't remember. Okay. Yeah, I'll check that out. Yeah, Alex Inc. and uh, uh, yeah, um, cool. They also announced this week that Netflix is going to be working on a Witcher TV series. Now, I'm super stoked about this if they can do it right. The Witcher is technically, most people know it as a game series. It's been three different games. Um, each one progressively more lauded than the last one. The third one is just a work of art. It is a masterpiece of gaming. And uh, the world that it's set in, the world of The Witcher, it's actually, they're based on these old Polish stories, like books written back in the old days of Poland, I believe. Um but it's a supernatural world, but not like you're used to. Basically, there are creatures out there, but most of them are either supernatural or mutated. <laughs> You've got most of the people are just like poor peasants and, and shitty people. And you've got these witchers that go around. They're kind of rare because they're basically elite killers that are created through alchemical means. Uh, they poison themselves, essentially. They ingest all of these different potions. And 
it gives them the ability to do different things. Like, you know, they have some magical abilities, very weak magical abilities. They're not like witches. Witches have super strong magical abilities. Um, but they have some magical abilities. They're mostly swords for hire. They're the guys that you call in to clear out a griffin or a dragon or something because it's terrorizing the village and nobody there is equipped to fight it. You know, the king's hey. guards can't fight it. Um, but witchers imbibe a lot of potions. They traditionally carry two different swords, an iron sword to take down human and corporeal foes, and then a silver sword to take down, like, ghosts, witches, stuff like that. Um, witchers are also sterile, and witches, the female version that are, you know, magic users, are barren. So there is a lot of sex in these books, or and the games. Okay. Like, like a lot of sex. But if they're infertile and barren, they have they sex just... just for the fun of it, and they're they're rugged and strong, and mm, I wouldn't say handsome, but you know they have a lot of scars. <laughs> they're always they always have white hair as part of the process of becoming a witcher, and uh, pale eyes. So they all look similar in that respect, but you know they've got different body types and stuff. But they always keep themselves very fit. Uh, so they're rugged lovers uh but a lot of people distrust them a lot of people think that they are just as bad as the monsters in the countryside um huh. it's a very in-depth intricate i mean one of the quests in the third witcher game involved a king who killed his baby and buried the body out in the backyard and because he did that, it brought a curse upon the house, and they had to do this ritual over the baby's body so that they could turn it into some kind of like a boglin or something and have it help them find where his daughter had run off to because the baby was still technically blood-related to the daughter. It's very intricate, very in-depth, and if they can do the TV series right, it'll be phenomenal. Like, they're saying that it could be the next Game of Thrones. I dare say it could be better than Game of Thrones. That's a big sell right there. That is a big sell, but I'm telling you... That's a you, big statement. If you talk to anybody who's played the games, especially the third one, they'll say, oh, hell yeah. Like, just the magic levels alone and the supernatural creatures would elevate this above Game of Thrones in a heartbeat. I, I'm huh. very stoked for this if they do it right. Well, I... I yeah, I'll definitely at least <laughs> check out the first episode based on that cell. I mean, I'd be stupid not to. Uh, I don't know when it's coming. They just said that yeah. Netflix is developing it. The only other news story that I had, and I meant to talk about it last week, but I forgot, and I was like, I have to bring it up now. It's a new show coming out on sci-fi. It's called Happy. And it's called Happy with an exclamation point at the end. And I'm going to read you the description because I can't really do it justice without doing that. So Universal Cable Productions Happy is based on New York Times bestselling author Grant Morrison and Derek Robertson's graphic novel of the same name. The series follows Nick Sachs, Christopher Maloney. Hey, he's awesome. An intoxicated, mm -hmm. corrupt ex-cop turned hitman who is adrift in a world of casual murder, soulless sex, and betrayal. After a hit gone wrong, his inebriated life is forever changed by a tiny, relentlessly positive, imaginary blue-winged horse named Happy, voiced by Bobby Moynihan from Saturday Night Live. Okay. I'm sold. Christopher Maloney as a I'm a big drunk, fan of him. A drunk ex-cop hitman. 
who just likes to kill people, and now he's got a conscience in the form of a winged blue horse named Happy. I will check the shit out of this. I'll definitely at least watch the first episode. <laughs> I mean, it's it's there's enough there that's made me go, okay, I need to check this out. <laughs> I'm excited for it. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be coming. Let's see. Do they have a? No, it says that they originally put Happy into development back in t- September of 2016, and Christopher Maloney then boarded the project in November. But yeah, it doesn't say when it'll be coming out. So cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that sums it up for this week, right? I think so. I think we've covered cool. quite a bit. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, reach out to us. Let us know what you think. Let us know of your suggestions. Let us know if you disagree with some of our thoughts on things. Because we are debatable people. Yes. We, we are master debaters. <laughs> yeah, I went there. Yeah. Um, I'll let you... I'll let you take that, stake that claim. That's all <laughs> yours. Uh, I'm on the Twitter at uh, SuperstarML. I'm also on Twitter sometimes at the Quantum Geek G33K. Uh, the show is at What Did You Watch? We got the Facebook What Did You Watch this week as well, so that's where you can find us. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week.